the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody, it is your good friend, the Safety Doc, from down here in the Safety Doc North Star Recording Studio, where we are below ground, which is a good thing right now because we do have severe storms entering the area. So, yes, it uh, was 85 degrees and increasing humidity, very strong winds today, and uh, we have a line of storms entering our area, uh, more to the north of us kind of the tornado watch-ish stuff. I think just heavy rain and winds and stuff like that here. But anyway, nothing uh, to worry about down here in the North Star Recording Studio. I did take the flag down from in front of our house because uh, it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> High winds and snapped the flagpole and it's off of the front of the house, stuff like that. So when I know there's going to be high winds, I take it and put it inside the garage. Um, but otherwise, we should we should be okay. I think tomorrow it's going to be a repeat. Same thing, high humidity. Now, this is really quirky because last week this time, it was like 40 degrees. It was actually 40 degrees. And uh, we hadn't been to 80. Today was 85. So, you know, suddenly we hit this warm weather trend and we're going to be around, let's say, 85 to 90 for the next four days. And we'll kind of drop back to the upper 60s. So I need to get out biking um, I don't think I'll do it tomorrow because it's going to be humid and um, possible thunderstorms throughout the day. So I don't want to be out and um, and dealing with that. So it'll probably be Wednesday I'll be out biking. But uh, but yeah, I did wash uh, both of the vehicles today, and now that we have the SUV, um, it's a little harder to. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm I'm tall, but I'm not that tall to like be able to get the top of it. Um, really well but but that was it was nice it was nice to have the warm weather it's just uh, it's just weird how fast it goes and it doesn't typically do this but it, it literally went from 40s which was it was all of april right and now you know 85 and humid so um let's give a shout out here we have andrew who's saying late so yeah i had um i couldn't get it my monitoring screen to the appropriate size <laughs> so I had to fiddle around with it, and I, I got it. Uh, Solitude, and here we go. Hey, buddy. Um, Bacon is saying, evening, you degenerates. So it's uh, all pro Leventon with his bike, and I do have my bike uh, ready to go. I think Wednesday will be my first outing of 2022. Um, should be about 88 degrees here on Wednesday. So, again, like a week ago, it was like 40. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So um, I think I haven't really checked my uh, biking. That won't be a long trek. I mean, now I have to condition myself to get back into biking shape. So that'll probably be like 40 miles. But uh, I've got to I've got to stock up again on kind of what I take for my bike stuff. But uh, but yeah. So kind of an update. Um, we are in an area which is going to get severe weather sometime in the next couple hours. So there's this long uh, squall line throughout our edge of our state which has developed 
And um, and anyway, that is going to be working its way through here. So on radar, like it just it's amount it's a certain amount of time, right? And it'll it'll be here. I don't think it's going to be anything like real, real significant. Um, but the northern part of our state is going to get hammered pretty well. What kind of bike do I have? Um, originally, it was a truck. <laughs> I think seven twenty which I bought back in 2012 maybe, but I mean, it's been rebuilt so many times. The Probably the only thing that's original yet would be the frame <laughs> and and literally the seat. I think that's, that's, the, that's the only parts of the bike that haven't been replaced or rebuilt. I had uh, wheels, um, hand handmade, right? Wheels, there's a process for that. Uh, that took a couple uh, days for those to be made um, a couple years ago. And then, yeah, just everything else after I, I had a pretty big, big accident with the bike, dam- did a lot of damage. And at that time, I don't know, I could have just replaced, I guess, the bike, but I, I replaced the components. So, but it's good. It's, so it's this hybrid, you know, it's kind of a mutt, right? My bike is also for, um, it is for distance it's not for speed (laughs) so i have to go through like my bag i have a huge kind of cargo bag um and i I need to go through and make sure everything is is all current and ready to go but uh but yeah i don't i don't go for for speed i go for distance um so anyway yeah um i don't know i've got a lot of pictures i take of my my bike let me see if I can find one here. It's our good friend Zippy. Here he is. I live again. Zippy. Zippy, you got to get working on that review. You got to be number 11, my good friend. Um, Andrew said, I ignore every severe weather alert because big weather has cried wolf to it, Yeah, I kind of hear too. Um, somebody asked me today. I was hanging out after I <laughs> did yard work in the morning. And I went to the, to the small engines place because my... Uh, had my mower serviced. And then when, when they returned it, they didn't return the side chute. So to discharge the, the grass, so I mowed and I'm like, Whoa, like I'm missing. So it's okay because I was, I was bagging anyway, the first time to get any debris off of the yard. But then I went there today and it was kind of funny because they pulled out three chutes and they said, are any of these it? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. Um, I had my, owner's manual. I mean, the mower is like 12, 15 years old and I bought it from there. So they matched up the part numbers and they said, no, none of these are it. And they said, we'll just order one for you. It'll be here in a couple of days. So not a big deal, but, um, but they said, yeah, when you send it down here next time, don't, if it's a removable part, like don't send it with that because we tend to uh, take those off. And then, you know, with all the volume in the shop, sometimes they don't always get returned. Not a big, it's like a $12 part. And they're paying for it, so um, it's just a plastic chute that you just slip in for uh, kick the the grass out the side of the moor. Um, but anyway, I mowed. Um, I think I mowed yesterday, and uh, and bagged, and the yard looks good. So I put down sixteen bags of mulch today, and then I will uh, I, I spray that so. Um, I mix up mulch dye and a big big sprayer, right? Pressurized sprayer, and then I I touch all of that up. Looks really good, but I won't do that until closer to Memorial Day. 
I do it a couple times in the summer. Just it really makes things look nice. But uh, I don't know. The older I get, like yesterday, I turned 50 and a half. I just do not have a thrill for yard work. Um, so, and and we have a lot of sticks that fall down, you know, because of the trees and stuff like that. So, like, just, you know, just picking up the stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. Leave a bad Yelp review. What is this? Leave a, for where? Oh, no, no. Andrew, no, actually, um, the small engines place has been awesome. Um, it's a family owned business. They've been here forever. They've serviced like, I bought everything from them. Um, my original four stroke Briggs and Stratton weed whacker, I bought there 20 years ago. And that, a four strokes, that thing is a monster, right? You cut down a tree with that. I mean, it's probably like 60, 70 pounds. I mean, it's just insane. But I love it. And they don't make anything like it anymore. You know, and they service that thing too. And um, yeah, I bought a snowblower there, bought a leave vac. They've been great. It was just one of those quirky things where it got separated out. And of course, they're like, yeah, we'll we'll order the part and it'll be here in a few days. So um, yeah, they're really cool about it. Like again, it's a twelve dollar, and honestly, like those things, it's amazing that it lasted this long anyway. Um, that little the the shoot on the side. So, but yeah, they're really cool. Um, so one time, like in winter, a couple of years ago, I had something going wrong with the carburetor in my snowblower, and like in 48 hours they had it back to me i think they rebuilt the the carb on it so um but uh it's toy town hey toy town hey buddy welcome so so let me see if i can well i mean i can i just gotta find it or bring up uh thing my i'm hungry for tacos which i'm i'm not gonna be able to fulfill that tonight but uh all right so <laughs> I've got a I've got a funny story to share here with our good friend Aaron Clary. Just a second, but uh, about our good friend Aaron Clary. Drive photos. Biking? What? I, no, not that one. Um, I don't know. Here, let's try this one. All right. Usually. I don't know. This might have been late season. Every time I bike, I try to take a what in the world? I try to take a picture. Um, hang with me here. I don't know what and what in the world. I have some I have some big news to uh, share also, which we'll get to here in a second. So, um. Here's a picture I took while biking, but there's not a picture of my bike. Well, that's weird. I usually, I usually put the bike in the background. So anyway, let me show you guys this. So this is this is the jeez, uh, share screen. Hang on. So that that's the uh, that's my maple tree, which I planted like 20 years ago. And um, so I put that ring in myself. So <laughs> it's just scallop stones, right? But um, so I put in the new mulch today. Now this picture is from last year, but um, this is what it will look like when I spray it down with mulch dye. Um, so it really is cool. It has a really nice effect to it. And yeah, so I remember... <laughs> 
like 20 years ago, bringing this, this thing was small. I brought it home in the back of my car. And uh, since it's, it's grown, it's been a really nice tree. And actually, since we had some trees trimmed over here, like it grows, it's even uh, gotten taller and fills out really nice in summer. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty cool. So what I do is I have a mulch dye, and then I have a backpack sprayer, and I, and then I mix everything up, and I spray this maybe like three, four times a year. Um, and this, so this, I must have taken this picture like the same day that I sprayed it. So, and it'll look like that for you know, three, four weeks, you know, until it'll start to kind of fade out a little bit. And uh, and then it's not a big deal. Just mix up some more and, and stuff like that. It's pretty economical, actually. I think it's about $25 a year in mulch dye to keep it. So I have this, and then I have, let me show you the, uh, the other right here. That is the um, firebush. That's actually centered. It doesn't look like that in this picture, but it is centered. So that's on, and actually um, I had to put this. So if we did, and at some point there's gonna be sidewalk coming through here, it will clear this by about at least a foot between here and the road. So I've I've contemplated though, like um, should I, should I re, should I pull this out now and just plant grass there? I don't know if there's a need. I mean, for this year, I'll kind of I'll keep it this way, but I'm starting to question whether or not I really want this tree ring in front of here. And one of the things that's changing my thoughts on this too is that uh, I can get a picture. I can zoom into this a little bit. So, so here it is. I mean, it's it's cool from the road. It looks really cool, but this area back here, this is. Um, um, plastic molding. So it's black plastic molding. Um, and it's edging, right? So, and we put that in 20 years ago, or I put it in like none of the, this is all like new landscaping. Like when we bought the house 20 years ago, I had this diagram and I bought all of these things and stuff like that. But, um, the squirrels have eaten away a lot of the, the plastic mulch. So I'm having this done with concrete curbing, um, next month so that's pretty cool like i had the guy come out last year and so this will actually be concrete and it'll be stamped it'll have a pattern on it and uh, it'll keep the stones back a little bit better it's cost a lot it's really expensive it's really expensive to do it actually he honored the price he gave me last year as as uh the project um but once that's done and a lot of people like tend to do them in our neighborhood in red but I think it looks kind of crazy because like their houses aren't red. And even here, like our stones and stuff are orange and brown. So I'm going to do more of an orange and brown on this and it'll be fine and uh, rope it around. Um, but that's pretty cool. That's happening next month. But yeah, then I don't know if I'm going to keep this in the front yard anymore um, because, you know, it was there when, when this thing was starting to grow. And I think like just having grass there would be a nice look um so i don't know i got to think about it a little bit but uh so yeah but anyway let me get this one off of here um but i was going to show you guys my bike so let's do this holy lord This is, 
Insane in the membrane. Insane, got no brain. Uh, what? All right, by the way, here's, this was last year, but that was me. This was me at the end of today. <laughs> exactly, right there. And I washed both vehicles and I was sitting there and hanging out for a couple hours. So it's like 85 and sunny here. All right, so let me, I got to get a picture of my bike. Why the hell is this so hard? I always take pictures of my bike. This is nuts. When did I start biking last year? Because definitely it started this. Here we go. Here we go. By God. By gum. Let's do this. All right, guys. Here we go. That's it. There it is. The old warlock. Here's a closer up picture of the warlock. So, so yeah. Um, carbon forks. Um, this is 2012. Um, so, yeah, the only thing original on this bike is the frame and the seat. Um, that's it. Everything else has been replaced. And this bag, this Topic, Topic bag, um, is new from last year. They kind of fade out, but it, it actually, I can put a lot in that bag. So I will take uh, the two water bottles. I can put a gallon of water in the bag. Um I got to check in. I think one of my lights puked her out last year, but I bought an extra one. Um, having a mirror is really a, is a plus. Like I added that um, about two years ago. I never had a mirror before and uh, I use it a lot. So it is, it is pretty cool. Um, so these are tires from Japan. Um, what are these pan erasers? So I have to order these. So these are good for a couple seasons. So like ones I have on now, I got last year. So they're, they're still good. Um, but those are, you have to have a pretty good lead time. All of these were hand-pulled rims. And so all these spokes, I mean, this was a hand-trued rim. Um, so I don't know. The bike is maybe $1,000, which in the bike world is, you know, it's not that expensive, right? But um but it's a very heavy bike, even though I guess it's a light frame, but I always pack a lot on it. So, I mean, this is full and, um, you know, I've got a lot, but I want it that way because then I'm getting fit. Like, and it is a smooth drive. I mean, there really, really isn't any shutter in this. And I, I treat this bike really well. <laughs> like I will rip this thing down a couple times during the season, you know, and, and clean it up and, and uh, lubricate it and stuff like that. Like the bike shop is always like, you take, you are one of the best uh, for taking care of your bike. Um, so, yeah, it's ready to roll. It's it's ready to go. I just have to, uh, I think, Wednesday. But, you know, the thing is I'm not ready to go. I, I, can, I can do about 40 miles um, on the first ride, kind of an easy one easing in. And, and so where this is at, this is about a 75-mile ride, um, the certain route that I take right here, which is a new route like in the last uh, two years. I've been exploring uh, some different places to go with the bike. So, um, but yeah, I love it. Uh, this bike has been really awesome. Um, I don't, I don't really have much desire to get anything different either. Like somebody was talking to me and say, Hey, you could get like a speed bike. 
you could alternate. I'm like, I could, right? I could do that, but it's really, I'm just out there for nature. I'm out there for the sun, you know, and, and what I'll do too is, um, let me throw this back on the screen. I have, um, an MP, oh, I have an old Samsung S5 MP3 player, not a phone. Um, and it, it, it holds the charge really well. So I have an external speaker that I put up here, an indoor outdoor speaker. I don't, it's over in a drawer, but, um, and the speaker is charged itself. So then the MP3 player will last quite a while. And then I also bring like a Jackery with me in case I need to recharge any of those things. But I can usually listen for three to four hours of podcast. So I have a speaker that I put under the netting here, and then I put the little um, S5 over here, and then I download podcasts. And then, you know, I only listen on the way back. If I kind of get a little bit bored or something like that, I'll throw something in. Um, and then, yeah, it works pretty well. It's an indoor-outdoor speaker and stuff like that. So pretty nice setup. So, yeah, anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> this bike is just, it's really cool. Like all the things this bike and I, the places we've gone, I mean, it's it's really reliable too. Even when I had the accident with the bike, the fact that I was, it was able to get me back home. So there we go. Um, so let's go to the, uh, the chat here. So... So good from bacon. Sounds like a lighter version of my street bike. Built it from the frame and fork by hand. Forty-one thirty steel bulletproof. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. I had a I had a steel truck in college that I bought used, and it was a heavy bike. And uh, and actually, I found out it was really valuable. But I gave it to um, the son of a coworker, um, maybe around two thousand twelve or something, because he didn't have a bike and whatever, which is fine. Like he took care of it and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, that was the same time I got this bike to replace it. And that bike was a little small for me. Like this bike is just fine. Um, branches, what branches? This is a commercial more if I wanted to wreck the day. <laughs> yeah, I could. I mean, thing is like, um, you know, branches dull the blade, right? So, I don't want to dull the blade right away and have to deal with sharpening the blade. So that's why I spend time out there, but Oh God, like it just is, I might, I have my leaf back where, I, you know, suck up, not the pine cones, but the cones off the spruce tree this year, every other year, the spruce tree pukes up the two spruce trees puke out a lot of cones now because they're taller, like 60 feet tall. So I had to suck up a lot of cones from the yard. And, but anyway, it looks good now. looks good. Taco, I know Taco Bell's open until 1 a.m. It's close by, too. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I really, I've made it, I have to make a note here. When I go to, uh, when I do do shopping, like I haven't picked up any frozen burritos. And I need to do that. Taco Bell closes at 10 in Tennessee. It's another reason not to move here. It sucks, buddy. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, Taco Bell, I don't know. I've got to, I've got to try it again. Ever since they ditched the steak soft taco, kind of sad about that. This is uh, bacon to Andrew. Word: Californians are bringing an in and out franchise to Tennessee. All right, Andrew to Zippy, bro. Come on, I'm trying to stop Californians, New Yorkers from moving here. So, um, yes, I don't know, Doc. Uh, look, it is no. The bike is good. I don't have anything 
planned for the bike that, uh, and it has a really nice, oh God, I put a new computer, right? I mean, on it, I forget what I put on it because my other one puked out, but this is a nicer um, cat eye. I have a nicer cat eye, bigger screen on it, like easy to read. And, uh, and that, and I have a bracket. So it's out front. You can, you can see it on the bike. Like it's, uh, it's up here, but I, you know, so how fast you're going, your revolutions per minute, how long you've been biking and all this stuff. The only things I really care about is, is, um, distance and speed. Um, that's all. So, but, uh, but yeah, that's really, that's really a nice, uh, setup. So, um, folks above, hey, doc. Folks, Bob, I don't know if you're going to get any storms tonight. We will. I looked at the, at the uh, line coming across the state. It's definitely going to hit us. Um, Zippy is saying, what are you going to do about the state? It's already ran by corrupt. Oh, my goodness. What are you guys talking about? Is it bag your first aid kit? It is not. Um, but the first aid kit is in there. It's in one of the side bags. I don't know if it's what side it is. I also have a splint in there. Um, so, yeah, an athletic tape and the whole deal. Because I learned after I had the big wipeout, um, with this bike or the accident a few years ago of like a splint would have really been handy like that time. And, you know, um, a roll of athletic tape and just the, the whole, so one of those sides is all first aid kit stuff. Um, so yeah, elastic bandages. I'll have to check those. They might be a couple of years old. Might have to change those out right now. And I have ice packs in there. I think I have three ice packs. Um, and the reason with ice packs is not if I would wipe it out, the reason I have ice packs in there is if I would overheat and um, then, you know, that I would be off to the, I pull off to the side and then you sit down and uh, you, you, you try to lie down, I guess you can, and you put the ice packs on your neck to uh, cool your carotid, your artery, right? To cool your, so um, to cool yourself down. So I really, I've never had that happen, but, you know, I do bike on very hot days and I bring the, uh, the um, the ice packs, right, that are activated by smashing them together um, by chemical reaction. I have probably three ice packs in there. So, um, no, um, it's just it, the wheels are the same diameter. It's just an optical illusion. So the way that the picture's taken. So maybe um, maybe that shows it to be a little more accurate right there. So. Yeah. So it is really, it is really peaceful to be out um, and to have this, this time, right. Where you're in nature, like when I'm out biking in these areas, there are very few people out there. Um, and it's mostly, I mean, you know, these crop fields and you'll see, you know, deer and oh, deer and uh, cranes and just really nice. Um, and this will, everything kind of, you know, greens up. So this is still, I guess, pretty early in the season when I had this out. So what is this? That's, my, this ride was April 5th of 2021. By God, I mean, April 5th would have still had snow on the ground this year. So, yeah. Um, but there you can kind of get the side view. So, yeah, just really nice. It's really nice. Everything's really good. So, um Marty is saying, that's awesome. I'm scared to ride one where I live. Imagine, uh, yeah, it all depends. Like I've, 
I'm a little more hesitant this year on two fronts. One is wild animals, particularly dogs. And the other is just people, <laughs> right? Like I, so I think I've got to, um, I've got to pack in some, at least pepper spray in, in case there's dogs that I, or a dog or whatever, I can't outrun um, or bear spray maybe. And then I don't know what else as far as, as people, it's just at strange times, right? I just don't, I don't know. Um, with that said, I really haven't had any encounters, but like the dog stuff, I did have one encounter like two years ago where I had to like bike like crazy to outrun a dog. Um, so yeah, the other thing is like hawks. <laughs> hawks can go after you when you're biking. Um, I don't know if they think you're food or if you get in your in their territory, they swoop down and and uh, so that gets to be kind of a an, a dicey deal going on there. Hawks swooping down, trying to intend. I, I see a lot of eagles when I'm out biking. A lot of eagles, especially on very windy days. Eagles like just love to hang out in the wind. So. Pokes Bob says, I'm a, or bacon, I'm a stickler for interchangeability. That's why I, what I know is could be an angle though. So yeah, the, the bike is, yeah, I have a lot of parts of it. <laughs> I could change out on the bike too. So um, I kind of want to get a drum motor for, oh, this could be a, this could be a storm watch. Let's check this out here. I think it is. Um... No, it's not. Um, what is it here? Hang on. All right, there we go. Something from the school. So I kind of want to get a drum motor for a bike, put it on a trike better than the four. Yeah, I thought about electric bikes. I know my friend Aaron Clary now has an electric bike. So, but um, at this point, I'm not going to do that. No rain in our forecast. So Friday, Doc. All right, you're all right then, buddy. Uh, to bacon, uh, to Zippy, figured you as more of a bike powered via pulse jet engine kind of. So did I. Uh, bacon, a bag looks like it can hold a 12 pack. I bet it could. <laughs> um, folks, Bob, and actually it expands. It, uh, you can, unzip some things on the, the side and, and the, the top will come up higher. So I've carried gallons of mixed drinks and up to four cans. So, whoa. Yeah, I'm only bringing um, ice water and uh, Gatorade or Powerade with me. So um, Toy Town, best for dog is keyboard duster sprayed upside down. Freezes their nose, but harmless after a minute. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, wow, Aaron actually spent money on some things. Yeah, he did. If you've watches um his uh clary podcast i think he had he was talking about it um on there where he bought an electric bike so he sent me a picture of it after uh he he got it so um it's nice i mean <laughs> i think i i don't know what he paid for it but i think it was north of a of a thousand dollars um you know so yeah our good friend uh Kind of, you know, give him a little razzing about that there. The the old guy using those electric bikes. So, so one so funny thing here with Aaron. So Aaron's a good friend of mine, and uh, 
And he got a hold of me last week and he said, hey, do you have the first um, set of podcasts that I ever did, right? And I don't know what the deal was, but um, he, so Aaron, um, the first 25 shows he did back in like 2012 or whatever, he doesn't have those. He never had those. But after he started to do his show on a regular basis, um, he sold um, like the first 80 episodes of his show, so which was started like at episode 26 on a thumb drive for like 20 bucks or something like that. So back in like 2015, maybe, um, I was listening to the Clary podcast and he said, Hey, like contact me. And so that time he, he lived in, still lived in Minnesota. So, you know, I sent the money to this PO box and, you know, a few weeks later, this thumb drive arrives and, uh, it's from Aaron and it's his first 80 podcast, 5.8 gigabytes of podcast in this regular envelope, right. That he sends for, you know, what 33 cents at the time this thumb drives all mangled uh, from the machine, but it still works. So anyway, he uh, he got a hold of me. He said, "I can't find these like first eighty shows I did, you know. He's since he's moved and stuff like that." And and I I said, "Well, let me take a look. I'm pretty sure I have them." So I went back and I and I did have them saved on a hard drive. So um, so I said, "Let me just share these with you, and I'll put them in a um, Dropbox file or folder. So all you have to do is just go in there and, and whatever." So I did it, and then he gets a hold of me and he said. Yeah, the Dropbox thing is like too much work. Can you just send me all of the podcasts on a thumb drive? <laughs> I'm like, well, sure, I can. I have extra thumb drives. That's really not a problem. It's like five dollars to mail it, but I'm like, they're right there. I just shared it with you. Here are all of them. And uh, Eddie said it's just going to be easier for me. So I'm like, not a problem. So I actually I printed out a label on my label maker and put it on the back of the, the thumb drive because I'm sure he has a ton of them. You know, Clary's original podcast. And I sent it out. And I sent it out this morning to him, uh, you know, from the post office. But it was just kind of funny, like, because <laughs> I'm like, well, here they are. They're in a Dropbox. You can, and he's like, yeah, I don't know, man. Can you just send them out on a thumb drive? I'm like, well, sure. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay. Can I just drive them out to you? You're only like 11 hours away. I mean, if I kind of do a straight shot. So I, will, I do that. Um, but anyway. So yeah, I got uh, I got those out to Cappy uh, Cappy today. So um, I know TJ started a show, which is awesome. So I appreciate. Yeah, I enjoy that. And, and TJ is going to be a guest on here. I just we're going to do asynchronous. He um, he asked to do it that way. So then of course I'll edit it and it'll be a premiere release. I just I don't know when uh, we'll do that. Won't be long. So this is episode one eighty one. By the way, we do have a topic. It's it's negative expectation bias when all news is bad news. And um, I already have the post written for this in the description. Um, so we'll get into that in a little bit, right? But um, but yeah, so TJ is going to be a guest. I'll bring him back. Um, looking forward to that. So don't worry. This is, uh, I carried water in a bottle bag, plus I needed all the space and the backpack for tools. So yeah. Yeah, I've, when the bike is loaded up, it's ready to roll. The thing is, like, beef jerky was reasonable a year ago. Now, like, you know, beef jerky is expensive, man. I keep super chatting, uh, Cappy. He hates Minnesota so much, gets him spun up every time. Best to you. No kidding, Pokes Bob. So, yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, so, you know, I, I'm able to, to, Aaron and I will have, like, lunch um, or breakfast or something, maybe, like, four times a year. 
because his family's still in Wisconsin. So he needs to, when he, he goes there, he kind of drives through my area and, and we'll, uh, you know, say, Hey, are you around or something? So, um, but yeah, so this is Andrew to post Bob. Yep. He can't maintain frame when doing live streams. So yeah. What is that? He can't maintain frame when doing live streams. Is that me? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, is it Cappy? I don't know. What are you guys doing here? So, um, Dropbox, it's a boomer. It's what, yeah. I don't really use my Dropbox, but it does work well, right? If you, you don't have to have a Dropbox to receive a folder. So it was just kind of funny because I'm like, yeah, I found these, dude. And here's, you just, and he's like, oh, I, and then he's like, can you just send them to me? <laughs> It's like saying, hey, like, you know, do you have airplane tickets? And then, by the way, are you a pilot? Can you fly the plane? So I'm like, yeah, no, not a problem, buddy. I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to do it. So can, but that's kind of his, his tech, right? So it's MK Joe. Hey, buddy. Cappy gets mad on live streams, which means his audience will see that and make him more upset. So, yeah. So Cap, Cappy's a good guy. Um, man, I think episode 100 of his podcast, which was maybe like 2013. So going back to these original ones and he took, he doesn't share them anymore because he, he used, um, soundtracks at the beginning and he, I don't, there was some issue. He wasn't sure if he had the rights to use them. Like he, he did everything he needed to do, like to write the holder of the copyright or whatever, but but then um, he he made those unavailable. So like there is a specific collection, and there's other people I guess that have these. But um, he sent me that thumb drive, maybe like 2015, right? Like seven years ago, and I I didn't have the thumb. I actually I do have the thumb drive, the mangled thumb drive, but I copied it over to a an external hard drive, and I was able to just pull it off of there and onto a different thumb drive and send it back to him. So, um, but anyway, kind of crazy. Um, you, you, uh, Pokes Bob, you shouldn't, you should have seen how I got him spun up to the point where donation jar saying they could get nine pounds of food for just a dollar in person. It's a diner. He and Atham almost died driving to you. Oh my goodness. So, wow. It's Jim McIntosh. Hey Jim. Um, so guys, um, I want to, I want to share something. I want you to watch something. So it's a big event for me since last show. So I'm going to share this is just 40 seconds long. This is, this is big. It's big here for the doc. So here we go. Here is Dr. David Harrison. David is a speech language pathologist specializing in psycholinguistics. He's the author of the velocity of information, human thinking during chaotic times, and has been teaching in our educational leadership program for more than 15 years. Students in the superintendent's current and legal issues course chair, Dr. Pearson is helpful, organized, and empathetic with content knowledge that is off the charts. Students in this course also share that they consult with David as they navigate especially difficult situations in their own district. Thank you for sharing your talents with our students, David, and congratulations. Hey, Doc was Professor of the Year. So yes, uh, May 5th, 2022, um, I was named professor of the year at the university where I've instructed since 2003. So this fall will mark 19 years. Uh, so that is a big accolade. 
Um, really appreciate the uh, people who nominated me, faculty and students. First time I've been nominated also for that award. Um, so that is cool. And we're also in the mix, the university and I have, they have a new program um, and there are some classes which I might be able to instruct in that in addition to my current, um, the current courses I teach, which will be really cool. So um, yeah. And you know, the thing is like with professor of the year, part of it is scholarship, right? What you've done for research or other things in the book, philosophy of information, <clears throat> philosophy of information was huge. I mean, um, in, in that this was a scholarly work, right? And, and, uh, so that weighed into, um, into that decision also. So I kind of thought like, if, it, if this was the year it was going to happen, or if this was the year, right? Um, because I don't think there's going to be a repeat of, of the types of things that I did coming into this year. I also took on a different class in fall, um, a different legal issues class and, uh, instructed it. So, but yeah, it was really, it's, it's an honor. I mean, um, I'm going to take my family to the university. It's a couple hours away from me. So like when I teach her on the weekends, it takes a while to get there. Right. But, um, I'm going to take them and it's a beautiful campus, like mostly built in the 1880s and then, you know, updated things like that, but really nice. And then um, I'm going to show them because I have my key card, right? I can go anywhere on campus and, and uh, I'm going to show them the plaque in the main hall, which will have my little, the little tag on it, you know, professor of the year for this year. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cool thing. Um, it's a, it's a very cool thing. So today they, um, so anyway, the plaque will be be up there um, soon in back of me. So for the professor of the year. So yeah, it's good. Appreciate that. So thank you. So yeah, Troy Town saying took me a bit of time to understand Dropbox, but you're doing a huge favor. It's a bit of effort. <laughs> for, uh, no kidding, because he said I can see the files. So he called me up and he's like, I can see the files, but like. Can you just email or can you just postal mail me the thumb a thumb drive? And I'm like, well, yeah, I can do that. Sure. I mean, you're a good friend. I'm glad to do that. But like the files are right there. Like listen, <laughs> they're literally right there, right? You can see all of them. Just download them and you've got them. Like there's nothing different I'm sending you on the thumb drive. But so yeah, I did up the little mailer and went to the post office and sent it to him. And so but you know it's all right it's fine he's a good friend so yeah um so toy down thanks buddy appreciate it um i would have made uh learn torrents and rar oh my goodness yeah yay doc yeah well it's a cool thing it is a it is a cool thing i'm really huzzah damn doc you had a drive for us um when i go to the university so i don't when I teach on Saturdays, which isn't frequent, right? So in fall, I'm there probably ten, eight or ten Saturdays. I don't know. Now the stuff that I'm kind of entering, I'm going to be there in summer, but I just would stay there. Like the university would just pay for me to stay at a hotel or something. But um, which I don't mind, right? It's right along the Mississippi River. Not a bad deal at all. And, and from where I'm at, I I live on the interstate, right? So like from my door to the interstate is like two minutes, and then the university's off the interstate. So it's, it's, it's really not a bad thing to, to drive there. 
Um, and and back. And plus, I get paid mileage, right, and stuff like that. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, I'll put a lot of miles on my vehicle, and I kind of like the the drive. It's pretty scenic. It's not like real crazy traffic or anything. So, um, so dock building is. I love my wall. Yeah, so that's in back of me. It'll probably be underneath the the blue record, which is back there, somewhere up somewhere up there. Um, I've got to do something with the wall. I thought about. And I've got to check this out. Like I had some really cool graphics made for my book of um, having them put on um, kind of uh, like wall art, right? And have them put up in back of me. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do back there quite yet. So um, I don't know. It's kind of good the way that it is. It's not too busy. You know, the books are back there. So damn it, I need coffee. I haven't had coffee for a while. I didn't have coffee because I was narrating my book, which is done. And the uh, as soon as the um, I get all the finished files, like the edited files, I'll get that out. I've got it all ready to go on um, Find Away Voices. Everything's uploaded. The PDF companion document, everything's ready to go. I just don't have all the final, final files. A couple that the engineer is still working on. Um, but I don't know where I was going with that. Um, Anyway, but I, oh, I couldn't drink coffee when I was narrating because it tries out your focal cords. A four-hour commute brutal. But the thing is, though, not, there's really not like so. It would be Saturdays. So think about Saturdays from like the end of August to first week of November, right? Um, not every Saturday, also. So you know, you get up in the morning and the weather's good. You're not dealing with snow or stuff like that, and the temperatures. It's on the way home usually. I can have the windows rolled down, stereo going. And again, it's interstate driving, but it's not like a, I live in a, in Wisconsin, not a very busy interstate like area. So um, traffic flows really well. And, and actually I like it. Even I mean, a lot of it's just like through forests and stuff like that. So, um, and I can throw in a podcast and stuff like that, that I'm listening to or whatever. So we're jamming out to music. It's not, it's not, negative at all and then actually so the university is right along the uh, mississippi river so it's just it's really beautiful i i know i it's it's not a negative it's not a neg now if i had to do it in winter yeah that would that would be pretty miserable but uh but no um and then i'll be there starting up in the summer before long for some for um a, like a seminar type class i mean one of the things is when you're so a plus of a PhD, right, and having taught there for 18 years, now professor of the year, stuff like that. New doors open for you, right? Like one of the things I I shared with people, you know, they said, well, it takes so long to write a book, right? Well, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it does, right? 471 endnotes is just crazy to to write philosophy of information. By the way, like that, and that book is resonating so well with people. I'll talk about that a little bit, but um, but I said the book is is a key. It opens doors. The book. There, I, I don't believe I would have received Professor of the Year without the book. The competition is just too tough for that, right? But the book is a, a work of scholarship. The university cites the book when it applies for its annual application, for federal funding, and for accreditation for higher education. It cites the book. Um, so, like, you know, this this was it. Like, the book opens those type of doors for you. And... Um, and so it's really it's really a phenomenal tool. Plus, like the book is opening doors to some new classes, which are 
being developed in the program and I've been contacted, you know, do you want to teach this class, the 700 level class? And like the book could be the textbook for that. So like, that's the thing is when you initially write a book of scholarship, um, it, it appears in libraries all over the world. And that's kind of cool. Like it's in the, it's in China and libraries like Germany. And I can see some of these areas where it's at. Um, so you're, you're, you're not going to have like some crazy, you know, like, you know, Hogwarts, you know, type Harry Potter book that's going to sell like nuts, but it's going to acquire an audience. It's going to acquire a substantial footing in libraries and things like that. And, and then, um, it opens up doors. It opens up doors to professor of the year, which I don't think I would have received without the book. And, um, the classes, which I'm being offered now, brand new classes and brand new programs. Um, and you know, that, that will be a course tech for one of them. So anyway, it's really, it's really cool. People don't sometimes you have to sit down with people or you just have to have that explanation of, so what does this book do for you? <laughs> like the book is such a credibility tool. It's such a, I don't really, I didn't write it for that. I wrote it just to be a really good book for people to enjoy. Um, but at the same time, right, because of 471 endnotes and scholarship, like the, the book, um, so if you're, let me, let me back these up. So the university I teach for, um, has to regularly apply for their accreditation, right? So they have to show that their faculty are doing scholarly work. Um, and one of the th things with, one is like a PhD, my PhD helps in that. And because it's not a research university, it's mostly actually kind of a nursing college. But um, so my PhD helps in that. Plus, then the book, because a lot of faculty, a few faculty write books. I mean, they present, they do papers, and, and not to make light that the work that they're doing isn't important, but it's not really a research university, right? So when I come in as a researcher and have this book published through a scholarly publisher and stuff like that, they cite that, and that helps their application significantly. So that's kind of where things come in. So um, let's go over here to, um, I hate phone autocorrects. This is a spam bot fodder. That is often why my posts are full of errors. I yeah, actually, I send people stuff all the time. <laughs> it's got mistakes in it because of self, the, the correcting. I think people just kind of get used to it. Hook up with, yeah, C&T is a good guy. And um, I, I need to talk with him. I don't know what I would put back there, though. See, that's the thing. Is it, you know, I can't, I don't think I can really do the safety doc logo because this is what you see if you consult with me and you live in California, right, as a school administrator or, you know, whatever. Um, so this is pretty tame. Like, it's pretty decent. Um, but I, I don't know what to put back in there. There's a, there's a big gap back there. I don't know what would match Um I got to think that out a little bit. So, yeah. Or a piece of artwork, maybe. I don't know. My professor of the year. Oh, yeah, Doc should build a stage type thing in the backyard lecture from it. <laughs> yeah. My my backyard. Probably be better to lecture from my front yard. Um, so, uh, Bacon, I make my autocorrect for me. That's why I save all your names here. Thanks, Ben. My father on LG keyboard, I noticed I can turn off autocorrect. Good deal. We were hesitant to award you professor of the year due to the commenter. In the, uh, yeah. And the chats you show, but in the end of the book, yeah, probably, probably. Actually, I, um, I was very, 
careful right in the topics leading up to <laughs> leading up to the nomination and the the award right like um i you know if, if we go back in the past shows like they've all been pretty neutral stuff i didn't want to hit anything that was kind of on the controversy area so uh, some of my online friends love using all the damn weird characters oh my god it's jim uh so wow so yeah if you, if you uh are chatting with uh cappy or anything razz him a little bit about uh, how how he made his good friend doc um copy podcast to a thumb drive put them in a mailer take them to the post office and mail them to him when i just had them in a dropbox and said here they are <laughs> you can download them and he saw them and he saw him there and he recognized it. He's like, he goes, yeah, but it'd be easier. It'd be easier for me. I'm like, okay, buddy. Like, I, no problem. No problem. We're good friends. So doc will do that for you. So, um, yeah. So let's go to uh, negative expectation bias. So I'm going to skip us over out of this. What is, let's get out of here. Remove. Stop. There we go. Share. Um, share screen. Okay, here we go. So these are my show notes, and these are all in the description for today. So negative expectation bias. And let me just read through this. Let me get us off the screen. Um, I'm feeling a lot of this right now. And I read a lot of this in the social media posts from people that I know. So negative expe expectation bias when all news is bad news. I wrote about this in the Velocity of Information. I'll read some excerpts. Today, this is Safety Deck Podcast, episode 181, which means we are one more than Seinfeld. Seinfeld had 180 episodes. We are now 181. When I restarted this in January, um, I think we were like at, what, 150 or something like that. So um, the show is definitely going to uh, be on track to hit 200 episodes. So pretty cool. So here, I'm going to uh, read this. A popular Reddit thread is titled, What a Today is Going to Suck Red Flag. A top upvoted response was, waking up with a huge headache. And another was, when you get all the red lights in your commute. So right there. So you wake up with a headache, like you're already predisposed that everything is going to suck that day. It's just going to be a bad day, right? So that is your framing, and you expect things to be bad, and they probably will be bad, right? Because that is just how you expect things to be. Or you hit all the red lights on your way to work. You're like, this day is just going to suck. So you're predisposed. This happens to us a lot. Each of us could add a comment to the thread, right? Yeah, we could, right? Um, per the National Institute of Health, consistent with this focus, an anxiety-linked negative expectation bias reflects an inflated tendency for anxious individuals to expect an increased probability of negative relative uh, to positive events. In other words, when people expect negative events, bad luck or suboptimal outcomes, that's what they will observe and perceive of the world around them. This frame of thinking might be accurate, but it is also damaging to morale if allowed to continue for long spans of time. In this episode, Doc will share his current observations of negative expectation bias, identifies themes, uh, things, or identify times. Let's get that. Just happened throughout history and offers research support and anecdotal suggestions to mitigate the languishing impact of negative expectation bias 
He'll read related excerpts from his book, Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times, right here. If you don't have it, it's available. It's out there on Amazon. I think there's 10 reviews right now, which is pretty awesome. So, and the audiobook will come out April 1st, 2023, narrated by Ben Hawk. So, that's already completely done. It's in Find Away Voices, but by contract, I can't release it. Can't distribute it until then. So, um, this whole negative bias. So there's a lot to this, right? Negative expectation bias. When we think things are going to be bad, or we just have this bad mood about this bad feeling, like, you know, if, you, <laughs> if you're an investor right right now, if I mean, you're just expecting tomorrow morning the stock market will be down. And uh, the next, the whole week, like, is going to be down. Just, I mean, um, and, you know, gas prices are going to be, your expectation is, or, you know, the service isn't going to be good at the restaurant or whatever, um, or the store. So your expectation is negative, right? And it can also be negative, like, you know, we're going to get negative news out of the war, like if there's going to be an escalation in military conflicts, things like that. So it doesn't mean these things are necessarily wrong, but it means that if you if you read through a newspaper, right, or someone is talking to you, you're going to, to hit on the parts that they say that are negative and align with your negative thinking, um, and not things that are not necessarily negative, right? So, you know, you're going to kind of tune those things out. You're going to wait for the negative stuff and, and zip on that. So, so that's what this is. It, it, we all know people like this, right? We know people who just wait for the negative news, <laughs> the, the negative Nellies, right? They kind of get in this groove and they find it, right? They, they find it or they turn anything negative. Um, the problem with this, well, there's many problems with this, but yeah, I mean, people you don't want to be around, but, um, you know, these are also people who are, um, just not getting a lot of satisfaction out of their lives. So, um, let's talk about bias. So, you know, just again, bias, we all have, we all have biases. Um, doesn't mean that they're bad, but we all have them. So a bias is a tendency, inclination or prejudice toward or against something or someone. Some biases are positive and helpful. So like choosing to only eat uh, foods that are considered healthy. So we're staying away from someone who, who's caused harm. So yeah, that, that person has been kind of causing the bad, bad stuff there. I'll stay away from it. It's bias. But biases are often based on stereotypes rather than actual knowledge of an individual or circumstance, whether positive or negative. Such cognitive shortcuts can result in prejudgments that lead to rash decisions or discriminatory practices. Our life experiences shape our biases, as do our families. They have a big role, as do our sources of information. If you're only going to drudge, report for your information, your biases are probably going to be pretty negative, right? Um, so, because Drudge is capturing the most crazy headlines out there. Um, so, yeah. So, again, um, negative expectation bias. And I do have an excellent um, excerpt I'm going to read on this um, that comes into play. So, normalcy bias. One of the most prominent biases in the safety community, for example, is normalcy bias. Um, it's the belief that an event really isn't that severe, right? To cause you to alter you, whatever you're doing. Um, think, and you believe things will return to normal in a short time because um, usually they do, right? If the power goes out, well, in the next hour, power will be back on, right? If this is how we think we perceive the events that we observe in our world, um, in, this, in this normalcy bias, um, if there is an actual crisis, people who believe in normalcy bias and, and kind of function that way, they don't react in time. 
and um, and then the sudden suddenly changing context overwhelms them. So these are people who yeah don't realize like hey like there's a tornado about to hit. You have to get downstairs. So they're slow to react. Um, and the thing with safety right is the time between something happening in your reaction. You need to shorten that time. That's a big. That's a big thing in what you're trying to do with all your safety training. And these normalcy biased people, something happens and they just hang out here. Oh, it'll go back to normal or whatever. You know, it's not that bad and things like that. And it's like pretty soon, like when it's just like overwhelming, fire or whatever it is, um, is too late, right? So, um, let's go over to the uh, the chat here. So, who remembers the space shell disaster that played the um, explosion loop for months? And the, I, I remember it. I remember the day that Columbia happened. Um, I was in middle school, so I remember that. Um, hmm. Greetings. This is from our good friend Sass, one too many, our cannonball runner. I'm not biased against California because I judge them on their action. Judging is not prejudging. You're right, Andrew. So, yeah. So, um, Right now, I've been reading and getting a lot of emails from people who are just in this mindset of, and I don't think this is necessarily wrong, but they do have a negative expectation bias with the economy, right? Inflation, with military conflict, with, um, you know, crime. And these are actually kind of authentic things, but they're, they're hyper-focused on this negative expectation bias, meaning they expect that tomorrow there will be bad things that will happen, right? And I guess every day there's bad things that will happen, but they are expecting. It's really crazy, like right now, right? The stock market is just totally just crapping the bed, just going horrible. And um, I think if you were to talk to, you know, most people investing or anyone in the market, right, they would say, what, what's tomorrow going to be like? It's, I expect it's going to be bad. <laughs> I expect the next month, the next year to be bad. Um so it is this expectation bias. So um, so the thing, again, is like as you get information, um, you tend to, if you expect bad information, that's what you're going to focus on. The rest of it will kind of go by you. And I'm going to give a, again, when I do the readings, you're going to see that specifically over time how that happens. Um, and it's really hard. If, if someone is expecting bad information, it's hard to convince them that whatever you tell them um, isn't bad, right? They'll, they'll twist it, whether it be health information, the economy, something going on with their family, whatever it is. I mean, because, well, a lot of information when authentically we don't know, <laughs> right? The government says, oh, like, you know, jobs and employment is up 3.8%. Like, I don't know about that, but, um, but you know, if, if you, if you gen genuinely tell somebody, um, you know, something and they're, they're expecting, um, uh, expectation bias would be bad. Right. So let's say they're expecting that their water, right. That whatever, if they get it from a city or well is going to be, have some levels of phosphorus or something in it, it'd be bad because the news has brought this up time and time again. So they're just expecting, you know, like, Oh, all these walls are being tested. You're coming up with these high phosphorus, these levels that can hurt you. And, and, and so somebody tests their water and they say, Hey, like you're, you know, your water is okay. Like it's a, within normal limits for this. They would be like, they wouldn't believe it. Like they would just be like, I don't believe it. Like, you know, come back and test it again or do this and whatever. And 
they would just say, well, you test it now, like, but in a week, like it'd be negative, right? It, there, there will be issues. So, um, so this is really, so even when you share news with people of saying like, everything's within like normal limits on this, they'd be like, I don't believe it. Like, or I'm still going to treat it as if it did have high levels of phosphorus. I'm going to get bottled water or something like that. Um, so that's one that's kind of happening, not really close to me, but in my state with some people. Um, so they're just, they're, they're like, a, they're really afraid to drink the water, right? Even though there are municipalities and, and even some individuals have gone to take water samples to labs and they said, you're in, you're within these limits, which is acceptable, right? But then they're kind of like, well, then it should be like zero. And so you gotta be like, well, every, all water around here has some level of radon, right? Like one part per trillion. Like that's just always been since history, right? But, you know, so you kind of get people who, who, who really over-focus on this. So let me read this. Media abhors in a vacuum. The media abhors an information vacuum. Meaning the media hates it. If the media doesn't have information, they'll make something up, which I kind of make things up anyway. It will take what information it has and amplify it, the media, completing the ensemble with speculation when deemed necessary. Uncertainty makes us crave more information. So many people spend a lot of time looking for news updates, refreshing screens every few minutes to seek assurance. As people lose proportion and perspective, they spiral down a whirlpool of confirmation, expectation bias, whether it be positive or negative, in this case, negative expectation bias. That's on page 50 of lost information. So, yeah. So that's really crazy, right? So um, this is, this is um, a, a good example of would have been the protests and the riots of 2020. Um, so let me go on here to page, this is page 67. Let me read this right from the book. So let's get in here. All right. I got to get a new mouse and keyboard. I should get like a gaming keyboard. Just something a little more quality. Come on, mouse. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to share this with you guys, but let me change the settings here. La, da, da. So I don't know. So I wrote about uh, Charles Mack in my uh, in my book, The Last of Information. And I was talking to, to Chuck a couple days ago. So he said, you know, when I, he he's, uh, so he, he was really enamored, right, to be be in the book. And it's a great story about, you know, Chuck and the University of Pittsburgh Med. But I, I told him, I said, you know, if I had to, if I had to change the heading on your section, it's within a chapter. I said, I would call you the Pittsburgh Batman because you were the hero that uh, Pittsburgh Medical needed, but not that they deserved. Like you stayed there. He stayed there like for weeks on end. He uh, turned his office into like a dorm he brought in a couch and a fridge and stuff like that he didn't go home so the internet stayed up and and uh, the wi-fi was going for people and he was training people on telemed and stuff like that so i said i would call you the pittsburgh batman that'd be the title of the the subtitle of the chapter i don't know what it is right now i'd have to but i but i said i <laughs> if i could go back like you would be that chapter would be the pittsburgh batman and um, I'm sure people will be like, oh, my God, here's Pittsburgh Batman. So it's kind of like the the running joke. 
So let's go back to the uh, chat, and then I'm going to read this this section out of the book. What in the world? Um, Jim is saying, I'm certain the Democratic Party are behaving so terribly for one of two reasons. All right. Um, Toytown, similar theory seen is a lot of confirmation by someone looking for a preconceived answer and ignoring country. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's, I, th I think this is just a type of confirmation bias, but you're, but what you're looking for is negative, <laughs> right? What you are, what you want is bad news. So when that news comes through, that's what you're focusing on and what you're amplifying out. So, um, it is the bit. Hey doc. Hey dudes. It's our good friend, the bit. Um, bacon. Unfortunately, it's not enough to save California. Bacon, people who live outside of LA and San Fran pay the taxes that keep California as bad ideas funded. Just whoa. Um, in the 80s, it wasn't. Yeah, we were. Um, my wife and I went to uh, visit her, her brother and his wife and family who live out there back in, I want to say, early 90s. You know, pretty nice back then. We were in San Francisco and stuff like that. So. Um, it's the bit. Bacon Andrew, don't forget, I grew up and was trained in L.A. And a lot of people still in those areas don't agree with what's growing, going on there. Yeah. Family members lived about an hour from San Fran proper, but the property prices were already insane. No kidding. Bacon, at some point, people are enabling alcoholic if they keep the fridge full of beer. True. It was a million, even for a city lot with a great view. No kidding. Yeah. I have a couple of friends out there who are just like, it's so insane. Like their property values have gone up and what they're paying in taxes. And um, so, um, so let me read here from my book. So let me bring it up on the screen. This is an excerpt. And uh, let's do right here. I'm going to start out. This is expectation bias. This is going to be, we're going to start out right here on April 20th. So War of the Worlds um, was a radio play. Orson Welles read in uh, October 28th, 1938, right before Christmas, not before, well, right before Halloween, kind of before Christmas. But um, we're going to read through this, and then we're going to talk about expectation bias. Um, so this seems, you know, you could look at this and say, oh, it was back in 38, it wouldn't happen today and all stuff. But we're, we're going to, when I wrote about this, and well, this is actually from my book, right? But we're going to talk about expectation Negative expectation bias. So here we go. On October 28th, 1938, many Americans believed that they were being invaded by Martians. This erroneous belief was a result of a Halloween stunt orchestrated by Orson Welles, which he adapted H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds to the radio, and then broadcast a play as though it was actually happening. A few short weeks before the broadcast, millions of listeners had kept the radios tuned for the latest news from a Europe apparently about to go to war. So this is key, okay, right here. People in the U.S., right, have been listening because um, they an anticipate it, right, that Europe was going to be at war, the possibility the U.S. was going to come into it. This was back in 38, right? This is be you know, before Pearl Harbor. And so people, as they were listening to the radio broadcast, expected bad information because the world was starting 
to enter World War II, right? Countries were starting to enter World, World War II. So it wasn't that difficult for this radio broadcast to get people to believe that bad things were happening, even though if it wasn't a world war, necessarily it was a war with Martians invading the world. So this had a this had a really big role. And I cited it here. I went through, you know, there's a research study with this. And it was easier to convince people, as it might be today, right, of different bad things because they're already believing that the next news they hear will be bad. So this was part of the reason why this was so effective. And this wasn't done intentionally to scare people. Like that wasn't the result Orson Welles had. This was supposed to be entertainment. But anyway, as people were listening to this, October 20th, 1938, when they weren't listening to the radio for entertainment, they were listening to try to get updates on what's happening in Europe. Was Europe going to go in all out war? Was the U.S. going to be brought into that? So radio listeners, therefore, had a pre-existing expectation, negative expectation bias, right? Pre-existing negative expectation bias toward catastrophically bad news. In the weeks that followed, psychology professor Howard Cantrell of Princeton University and colleagues interviewed people to try and understand their reactions to the broadcast. Of those that mistook the radio play as a live news report, almost none of them tuned to another station where they could have quickly found that life was completely normal. Even more concerning, people who were frightened or disturbed by the news often hastened to telephone friends or relatives rather than attempting to verify the news of the invasion. These individuals were more concerned with spreading the terror-inducing information as quickly as possible in Chapter 2, but in any anyway, book. So um, so this is the thing, right? This When people are expecting bad news, so War of the Worlds, you're listening to this radio entertainment and on one channel, by the way, 1938, and suddenly, you know, they're like, you know, Martians are invading whatever, and they're going through fields and this whole thing, stuff like that, and it's like, People are like, oh, my God, you know, it's Martians. And people are, you know, believing this because they have been predisposed there's going to be bad news. And, uh, and and then people are calling other people, hey, like, there's the Martians, and are they by you and stuff like that. Instead of, like, turning to a different station or, or you know, kind of, like, even going outside, checking for themselves, right? Because, no, this was real. But it was, it was, a, it was weird when you went through the, um, the interviews with people afterwards, including police officers who said, I saw these things firsthand, or we went to a field and we saw the imprints of these, you know, big robotic structures which were carrying the Martians around. None of this ever happened, right? But if you predispose people enough to this, and it's kind of happening right now, right? Not kind of happening. It's happening with the stock market. It's happening with, you know, inflation news with the media covers. It's happening with, you know, Russia has nuclear threats, right? So you're you're predisposing people for really bad to interpret news really poorly. This is much different than when I wrote the most honest book written ever about the $3 billion school safety industry school of airs on September 11, 2001, as the twin towers fell, um, 500,000 people in New York city went to lower Manhattan battery park. And in nine hours, they were rescued by boat and taken off of Manhattan. Right over to like New Jersey and things like that. Um, when people went to lower Manhattan to battery park, they expected that there would be a rescue force there. They expected the boats and the, somebody would be there to get them off of the, of the, of right. Manhattan. 
And um, the reason was because they were always told that as they were growing up, like, you know, if there's ever, it's, it's us against like the Soviets or whatever, like, you know, there would be this rescue force that would come in, the, the government, the military would protect you. So that's much different, right? That's a positive expectation. So if you get attacked, the government's going to step in and save you. But that wasn't the case here with this war of the world. So it's not the case today. Like so many people I talk to, and it's really alarming um, because so many of the people I talk to just expect everything to be bad. And I say there's a lot of bad things out there. The economy, stock market, um, supply chain, just the way that people are treating each other, crime, carjackings, theft, things like that. But there are also things that are awesome which are happening. Think of um, how 3D printing is kind of uh, going just just bananas in good ways. Being able to 3D print a number of things um, in your home or, or with a 3D community. Um, 3D printing, um, for example, uh, during disasters is really expanding, like the opportunities for that. Distance learning. Um, opportunities. So just the amount of information that's put on the web where you can get certifications that don't cost you anything, Google certification. I mean, there's a lot, of, there are good things that are happening um, too, right? There's a, There are good things, but we are very predisposed right now. And some people are just caught in this cycle of of the this negative um, bias, right? So when that news is out there and there's plenty of it, that is exactly what they are picking up on their antennas. They're not picking up the other stations. So uh, it's really bad for morale. It's bad for health. It's per, you know mental health. It's um, these people are uh, really languishing. You probably know some of it. Maybe it's you. I would say like even for me, like um, I've had to take my own advice as I wrote in the book. Get out in nature. You know, it was maybe a week ago I took a seven mile hike out in the woods, which was really good. You know, um, wasn't checking my phone. Wasn't I just was was hiking and uh the green space and stuff like that um doing the podcast right and so the podcast transitioned me forward through time because every monday there's a podcast i do the blog post the next day um things like that so so yeah but if you know people who are stuck in this rut right of the negative uh help them like you know point out things that are either like just Neutral, like 3D printing, you know, like that's, I mean, it's hard to get on one side or the other unless you're kind of Second Amendment, right, with, with 3D printing. But, you know, there. what if you can 3D print parts for, you know, whatever that you'd have to order before or a 3D printed home or a 3D printed, you know, water filter or, you know, um, I think there's things too like, um, like, oh, is it Jay Leno? Jay Leno was saying, you know, like all these these classic cars he has, you know, like 100 years old and stuff. He said, you know, back in the day, you know, you would if you couldn't find replacement parts, you'd have to have these custom manufactured, be very expensive. And some people, you know, they wouldn't even be able to do it. Now you just can kind of 3D print these these parts. You can 3D print metal parts. And so, you know, I think to to bring these things up to people. Um, so by anyway, let's go back to the chat. So there was a there was a reading there. So let's go back to China. <laughs> Tennessee is worse than Cal. Andrew is just he's come on, man. So my daughter and my wife were in Tennessee last year and they loved it. Um, my daughter was there for a dance competition. I think they were there for like five days. They loved it. 
Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Dollywood. So I have friends in Tennessee. So I have a friend who played uh, for the Tennessee Titans football team, the NFL team, who stayed there and loved it. Loves living there. So uh, Gatlinburg, I'm not really, you know, that area with with the wildfire risk and stuff like that. But uh, Detroit, oh, my goodness. I have to ask her, her good friend, Joe Dolio. But I, I do know some people in Detroit. He says actually more murders and violence in Detroit or Flint. Yeah. The thing is, like, what gets prosecuted? Like, that's, I never paid attention to that until the last maybe three years, right? You have laws, but what actually gets prosecuted? And, you know, it's, it's, that's the part that there's this big, big disconnect. Um, so, especially like I'm in a, I'm in an outer ring of a metro area, which is experiencing significant crime. And especially by younger people, 14, 15, and they're just, they're, I mean, there's really no significant consequence. Um, so, uh, the water in Flint takes first place for the murder rate. Yikes. I think lead in the water, right? If you pull up the FBI stats in the 80s and 90s, I have not. Yeah, well, some people can't leave just yet. People I respect. Easy to say what people should do when you're not dealing with a situation, by the way, they're good parts place so thanks for writing that bacon so i don't know yeah i don't know a lot about california i have, I have family that lives in california i have a lot of friends that live in california i consult in california but i consult remotely california um so what i what i found really fascinating so in the book velocity of information which you could order right now um ebook but um when I, when I interviewed Juan Brown, who lives near Orville, about the Orville Dam crisis in 2017, where the, the spillway um, split halfway down, right? And then they had to go over the emergency spillway, and then he wrote it back. And, and so they're like, what do we really do here? Um, you know, Orville Dam, or the, the reservoir, was at record levels. And like today, like just today I read an article, the dam is like at a record, or the reservoir is like a record low. I don't even know if there's enough water to pass through the, the power generation station at the base of the dam. So like five years ago, the dam was, or the reservoir was so high, it was going to, it overtopped the, uh, the secondary spillway. And, um, you know, it almost caused the entire complex to collapse, right? And today, like the water is so low. I think it's only like at half percent capacity or, or half capacity. So it's really weird. As you're reading like this chapter, you're like Orville Dam stuff. Like if you would go in and Google it today, you'd find that the reservoir is like at a record low versus like five years ago, like the story here is record high. It's kind of weird. Um, how do you think all the factory workers feel around here? Bacon, people learn the manufacture things. And they move to Jim. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Jim. I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's horrible, right? It's absolutely, it's absolutely horrible. Um, and then call the basket of deplorables by Murray. Yeah. No, there's Jim, you're right on. I mean, the treatment of people, especially by politicians. And when I wrote about the in velocity of information right away, um, essential versus non-essential, when that decree came out in 2020, for example, and how that got split into who is deemed essential versus non-essential, what we expected. And then also how we treated essential 
people. Like if you were essential in healthcare, that was one thing. If you were essential as a truck driver, that was completely different. You know, wayside's were shut down. There wasn't any real support for you. Um, I had that podcast with Jonathan Berger. If you want to go back, and I still think that is <laughs> uh, just phenomenally awful as as a as a country how that was was handled. Uh, but anyway, this um, let me go back to uh, to this. Yeah, it is um, it is it is really bad um, the way that we have we have polarized people. Um, kind of into this essential, non-essential, and you know, even in my state, like our governor was was at some uh, some event for the trades, right? And it was like, hey, you know, we you know more students as an option if college isn't there. And I was like, the wording of it was just really strange. I'm like, well, dude, <laughs> like this isn't an either. Or it, it's not like the second opportunity if you don't get into college, right? Like, um, you know, this these are on the same plane. If so, it was it was just really weird the way it was presented. It was on our local news like a couple of weeks ago and stuff like that. But uh, one of the things I appreciate the most is when I went to school. You know, we still had shop classes, right? Where I learned to weld, I learned to do basic electrical. I built a toolbox, which was stolen out of my car, which I regret that I put it in my car. But uh, um, I learned a lot of skills. And, and I'm like, if I could go back today, I would take more industrial arts classes and less other classes, right? Because those are the classes that I use. Those are the skills I use today when I have to fix things and, and practical, you know, knowledge and just things like that are so much more important in my life. Um, but anyway, I'm glad I did learn what I learned. Um, best phrase I heard was get out and touch some grass aimed at people locked in base. You're right on. There's, um, so let me, let me get here in the, at the book up 12. No. All right, so let's do this. Let's switch over here. Thanks, Toy Town. So, so there, I wrote 12 ways to disrupt finite voltage or basically to prevent burnout or to, if you're burning out, if you got this negative bias, like how you can kind of straighten that out. And um, there's a few things in here. One is to say, I observed. And if you demand this of people like that you work with, I mean, or in your family or whatever, and you just say, like, if people say, oh, on TV today it was this, or somebody said this or whatever, and you say, what did you observe if you were at the grocery store? Well, I observed that, you know, this was out, or, you know, people were doing this or whatever. That's different than saying, well, this is what they said, or this is what they... I absolutely, you know, the the ABC Nightly News with David Muir, you know, all these breaking news and all this stuff like this, it's like, you know, it's so much different than I observed. You know, David Muir said this. Well, that's, he's trying to get ratings, right? Um, embrace crowd in. We'll kind of go back to that. Name your fears. We don't really have to get into that. Identify, mitigate sources. This is a big one. So I had a chapter in philosophy of information toward the start where I interviewed Linda Stone, who was an uh, executive with Microsoft. Um, one of the things Linda uh, is an expert in is attention, how we use our attention, what attention is. And this whole thing of like multitasking, how you can kind of split your attention, like 
I get into that very deep in that chapter with the interview with hers. Isn't that, you can change your attention. You can focus on one thing very specifically and then focus on another, focus on another. But this thing where you can like split your attention across like many things, that doesn't, that's not really how attention works. So the thing is like, just turn this stuff off. Aaron Clary does it very well. Goes out for a hike. He's not, you know, doesn't have his phone on. He's not tied into social media, right? Um, he is disconnected. So do that. Um, disconnect from, you know, you can have your phone with you, right? But you're not like strolling um, on a hike and checking your phone the whole time. Talk to yourself. We're not going to do that. Restore, start and end routines. This one was more for the start of the pandemic, right? When people were told to stay home. And then they're like, oh, I'm used to going, you know, to work at eight in the morning and coming home at five or whatever. And now like I'm, uh, it's different, right? So I'm checking my email at all hours of the day and I'm not leaving the house. So um, have a start and end time to your routine to your day. Like I do this, like I get up, you know, and, and I got certain things I do in the morning, kind of certain things I wrap up, even though I'm kind of like I'm mostly retired, right? Semi-retired, I guess. Um, I do keep that because it, gives a very defined start and end time. Otherwise, things just kind of roll together. Change things every 60 days. You know, get into this writing. This is very prominent um, in the research that I did. It's in the book. But when you write and you date things and you do things like, you know, um, like today or like the stuff I did outside, the yard work in the last couple of days, like, you know, spread the mulch and, vacuumed up the leaves and all of that stuff. Like those are all things that you can see the progression from a start to finish. If you're writing things down, right, or you're doing a podcast or a blog or something, you have dates on that, it moves you forward. So images over words. Um, this is very big. Like we um, communicate with, with images, right, um, to people, especially during chaotic times. They can soak it in better. But anyway, here was kind of what we we're talking about. Getting out, getting in the green grass, exercise, nutrition, and sleep. Many studies with that. Actually, a lot of studies came out at the start of COVID and then they kind of <laughs> didn't get a lot of play, but they're from National Institute of Health and other things of saying, hey, like, you know, do this stuff. Spend more time outdoors. It's right here. Research has shown that spending time in nature has been associated with decreased levels of mental illness with the strongest links to reduce symptoms of depression, anxiety, in addition to increased self-esteem, so that was cited there in my book, in the general population, other studies have shown that attention is almost uniformly enhanced by exposure to natural environments. University of Michigan and psychology researchers Mark Berman, John Jonides, and Stephen Kaplan found memory performance attention spans improved by 20% after people spend an hour interacting with nature. So just right there. And there were many studies in this, right? So these are just short segments of pulling in. Here's like 12 things you can do. But being out in nature, being out in green space, taking a walk, getting away from your phone, just stuff like that was a good way to reset and your attention, right? And then your mental well, well-being. You know, people saying, I feel more positive. Getting So shutting this negative um, expectation bias, right? You get out in nature. Now, say that and like you know, i live in wisconsin where five months six months of the year it's winter and cold it's hard to, to kind of disassociate yourself from that like when i'm outside and it's cold and it's slippery to walk and stuff like i'm not getting a lot of positive vibes but like today was really a great day 
for me with the things that I did to disassociate, to, to be outside, to um, be in nature, right? And um, to, yeah, results increasing attention, increasing mental well-being. Spend time outdoors. Linda Stone talked a lot, a lot about that. I didn't write as much about it in the interviews I did with her, um, but in the all the interviews are recorded. She mentioned that quite a bit of like, you know, people need to be outdoors. Like there are, it's just so important for people to have um, exposure to green space, right? Um, so anyway, get out of this. Let's go back to the, uh, the chat here. Um, Jim is saying, can't put on or take off clothes and pretend to enjoy live on camera in uh, factory manufacturing. True. Yeah. Uh, then take that up with the like, government's real problem. Like everyone else, blue states, I pick on California too, but you guys are right. Whoa. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to get in the middle of battle here. You guys got to keep things going. As a gun guy, laws mean nothing to me once you see what is prosecuted. Yeah, that's the thing, right, Toy Town? And I'm I'm really observing that now. What is going on for prosecution of a, a range of things, right? Like I watched um, uh, a couple short uh, documentaries just in the last like month that were filmed in the last month. It was about carjackings. And how, you know, police were, you know, stepping up patrols for carjackings and stuff like this. But but then there was this other part of it on prosecution. And a number of people involved in carjackings, even with weapons, were released the same day, right? So they'd be like, you know, this person that we you know, arrested just um, carjacked somebody else like a day or two later. And then, you know, interviewing people who have been, carjacked like the first time ever in their life right and they're like oh my god i mean this emotional i mean have someone put a gun at you and get out of your car and um so yeah it it does seem like it's a again kind of negative information right negative expectation um about 3d printed gun yeah three agencies you know i talked about the 3d printed gun stuff with um I was on Matthew Hoover's show, <laughs> so, so which a lot of you know Matthew Hoover, right? Who lives about thirty miles from me, maybe not that far, but I was on his show maybe two years ago. I don't know if it was that long ago, and I said um, I I was talking to him right because I know Matt, and I said three D is going to um, really get a heavy heavy focus from government agencies. And and part of this was set up through what was called the Case Act, which went into law, had to do with intellectual property, um, went into law last year. So, but I said, this is going to be, anything that you're doing in the 2A community that involves 3D printing is going to have heavy, heavy scrutiny. So let's talk about it because I, I think this, the Case Act is opening the door for a lot of things that I don't like with intellectual property and kind of um, those areas. But anyway, 
Um, so we talked about it. People were saying, oh, no, like you can 3D print this or whatever and stuff. Like that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying like the way that the case act is written and, and this new legislation and, and powers to enforce and stuff is you're going to be heavy scrutinized. And these new 3D printers are probably going to be made to ping to a database and they're going to see if you're 3D printing something, if it has a copyright you know, there's a lot of stuff like you can do for yourself, but like, what if you start to print like two of something where they think you could be distributing something? And now I said, it's not really my wheelhouse, but I, I want to talk to you about it because when I teach my school legal classes, we talk about 3D printing because all, you know, schools will have 3D printers in all of their shops. And when students are 3D printing things, what are they doing from Thingiverse versus like something that they print? Or like maybe they start to, to redesign something that could have a copyright infringement area or trademark, and then they're printing it and selling it, or they're printing it and repurposing it back there in free domain, right? I just said this stuff is more complicated. And of course, the way that copyright is, is changing, there's like these committees that are put together now to judge if you violated copyright or not. I mean, I don't want to get into a whole case act thing right now because I'm not really prepared for that. But um, if so, you can have people who aren't judges and juries. This committee basically can look at a copyright infringement. And if it's 2A stuff, you're more likely to have this go against you. And that was the thing I was talking to Matt about. I said, this is not a good setup, right? Um, so just in that regard, I said, there's a really um harsh intersection here with 2.8. And a lot of the posts are right, we're saying this will never happen or whatever. But I said, no man, I see you, you know, people just gotta be aware of it. Um makes me wonder how Lake Mead is doing. Lake Mead is not well. Yeah, I've been I monitor that on a probably a weekly basis. Like I'll check in on Mead because I like to when I we're at Hoover Dam, but yeah, it's really low. Like record record low. Finding more dead bodies. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's our good friend Robert Ribbit Harrison, our zero weight oil buddy. Um, so there he is. It's Robert. Um, Heath, hi Doc. I have to call BS on the water shortage, at least in Arizona. Okay. Run my bike to Tempe Town Lake. It's filled to capacity and they have expanded to a massive aquifer. Everyone. Wow. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't live out there. So, um, so that is what you're doing now is you're member checking, you're doing face validity and saying, here's an area, right? And you could actually take photos of that with Solocator, the app. And it would say like, you were here at this time. Here's what the image is associated to this location. So, yeah. Um, so I appreciate that you're doing a, that's a great member check uh, input there. So the baby formula uh, shortage is a feature now, but it is, it is weird, Andrew, right? So um, a couple things is one is what Abbott Labs was, was uh, uh, found to have, to have some production issues. So like some of the baby formula couldn't be, be sold, but um, this is where, so you have a keen observation here. So thank you for posting this. Back, what was it, a month ago? So let me find this. Um, 
So. Ta-da. So um, when I, all right, um, here we go. So, yeah. Um, when I think of Chuck Mack, by the way, in my book, like now this whole thing of the uh, Pittsburgh Batman, which um, again, if I could rename that chapter, I would. But I, I have this whole thought, this song in my mind um, from uh, Rhinestone Cowboy. It's like the Pittsburgh Batman, da dun dun, riding through Pittsburgh on a thumb drive. It's the Pittsburgh Batman, da dun dun. Okay, so Andrew's saying a uh, baby formula is a feature, not a bug. Let's go back over to here. So this was from February 2nd, 2022. Do you remember this? It was on the news, came out of the White House. Here it is. Fact sheet, President Biden reignites cancer, moonshot to end cancer. So this is a low key, L-O-K-I. This is definitely a low key. This is where you try to divert people's attention. So who's, first of all, no one is against trying to end cancer, right? But you're doing this at the time when we have the onset of the war between Russia and Ukraine and supply chains and, and everything else. This isn't where you need to be putting your efforts right now, right? This is this is on the list. It doesn't move up to your top thing. This is a low key. This is to divert people. Um, and and so this stood out to me right away. Like this was, you're trying to just you know make it seem like you're trying to do something right that's big and and robust and all that. And instead of doing what you really need to be doing, which is to fix the supply chain the best you can. Um, to put together a task force for that or Pete Buttigieg or something, right? So we talk about this baby food shortage right now. Why don't we have a government, um, a task force on that? We had um, uh, what National Guard who went into hospitals to help during the pandemic, right? Why don't we have National Guard going to, you know, baby formula right, areas or to distribute this, right, or whatever, or to get the um, re, uh, eliminate the um, intellectual property rights on this, as they did during the pandemic for ventilator parts. You had like what hundred days or something where people could three D print their own ventilator parts. Not that people would be making this at home, but that other companies could be making baby formula. Right, that you could have these proprietary things made shared with other companies for a certain amount of time. But it's not declared a national emergency. Right, it isn't. The capacity is there but you're not doing anything about it, which really is, it, it's weird. It's weird propaganda. It's just strange. You're right on it, Andrew. This feels, it's a feature. It is not a bug, it's a feature. There should be something coming out, as you would think, from the White House um, or something coming out from, um, oh God, I, I can't think of what organization specifically dealt with the intellectual property rights for in COVID with sharing of ventilators and masks and things of that, that have been copyright, but basically said, if you have a printer, you can print these for like a hundred days and you won't get in trouble. Um, but yeah. So why isn't this happening? And, and why aren't we trying to stage this in different areas or get the national guard involved or something like that? Right? Like, so it is really bizarre. You're paying attention. You've recognized it. And what we get instead is, 
we got this. This is back in February, but this is a big low key thing. No, this is where you have to put it like you're doing something, right? And who's going to argue against this? Again, a low key is a straw man argument that no one is going to fight against. It's like, well, who's going to argue, right, against trying to end cancer? But if you get in and do the, the actual very hard work now, I guess, of trying to bring up or, or fix the supply chain, right, or to to uh, increase a baby formula to try to solve, there's nothing. We haven't seen one press conference about this, right? We haven't seen anything. Um, so that's where you get to see a really dysfunctional administration. I regret feeding that poison to my kids. So, sass uh, one too many. Um, so, but but you guys see it, right? You see it, right? I'm not the only one who's looking at this. This is really. As Andrew said, this is really, it's strange right now because why wouldn't you come out as a White House all over this? Why wouldn't you come out and, and uh, you know, um, either relax some intellectual property things or that you're going to have National Guard or you're going to do something to work with the manufacturers? Like you could spin this in a positive way um, uh, 10 ways to Sunday and you're not doing it. So why? Like that's the part that I don't I don't get. Like the propaganda from the current administration. Well, going back, the propaganda wasn't good since the start of the pandemic, and that's very well pointed out in the, my book, right? I mean, there's there's like a the committee for national morale during World War II, like just had it down, and, and when people review the book, they they will point out like that chapter chapter four is like really really enlightening. Like I didn't know these things existed, but why wouldn't you do that now? Why wouldn't you? do this, at least in a PR perspective. Why wouldn't you do this? And what would it take? I mean, you have a few photo ops and a few, I mean, so see, these are the kinds of things that are really strange now, like broken propaganda. Um, every, it, it's just, it's really weird. Used to have fat kids in school. Now we kids that look like they would blow away to government. Adderall for loss, Mr. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, and again, I'm not for, I'm not taking a position you're for or against the form. I'm just saying like from a propaganda public relations standpoint, if you're going to come out with this as the White House, why wouldn't you come out with a, with Pete Buttigieg, right? Who I've heard nothing about, you know, is so far in the background. Why wouldn't you come out and, um, and showcase uh, some campaign to address this? I mean, Right, like kid, like babies and and mothers, and especially on on like you had Mother's Day, and like last week could have been something. I mean, it's just it's like these. And tomorrow night, by the way, I'm going to be on the uh, the uh, Mallard um, report, Jim Mallard, and we're gonna I'm going to talk about this on the Mallard report because the propaganda is so crazy right now, and the fact that it's so poorly done. Even if you were generally not going to do much of anything about this as an administration, you could do a propaganda release on this, which would at least give the appearance that you cared. <laughs> I mean, cheapers. Uh, this is a Jim from Bacon. If you can't say something positive about a place that's called bias, like what Doc's talking about, I left for a reason. I hate Seattle, but even I can find good things about it. So. 
without a vision for the future, this is Jim. Hope dies and we get what we you're right. And I think um so Jim, thanks for posting this. One of the things I wrote about in the velocity of information was that people today, especially young people, but not just young people, like people my age or younger. <laughs> so I guess, but um it's not only that they don't have a vision for the future, they don't know how to set goals. And um, and that's important, right? You have what what criteria? Like, what do you want to accomplish? How are you going to measure it? What's your starting point? What if you don't get there? Like, how would you change it up or whatever? And people just don't know how to do this. Like, it's there's a complete loss for this out there. Um, so, you know, we don't teach it. We don't formally teach it. And that's, so there's a big loss. Like people do, people just are not playing, especially if you're younger, like what is your vision? You have no vision for the, the future. You to me, it's a metaverse maybe, or I don't know. Um, you're right on with this hope dies and we get what we have. I don't, I really don't know. Um, I've, you know, as I observe people and I don't have people, I don't know a lot of people that have long-term goals. I was talking to my, my tax CPA about this. Um, and when we got done with the taxes this year and she said, you know, one of the things like that she's observing, right. As a tax CPA, she said, people, you know, used to, um, you know, come in and, and they would be like, you know, here's where I want to be when I'm what age 50 or 60 or 70. And she said, I don't get that anymore. Like, it's really like people are kind of like today and they anticipate tomorrow's gonna be bad. And they also anticipate that, you know, there's going to be higher taxes and less benefits, just less access to food and resources and down the road. But um, she says it's very, it's, it's very observable in the way that people talk. And when you go through their taxes with them and, and they are talking about the things that they do, like, you know, people will have a 401k or something, but they'll be like, I don't, they're, they're look, what they look forward to in the future isn't much versus maybe five years ago. I don't know. So it's very interesting, but you're right. Yeah. And I think that part of this comes in with people don't know how to set goals. And that's maybe a show that I could do because I, you know, I'm pretty good at that, right? As being a special ed director and everything being goals and objectives and stuff like that. But, um, but I think there, I mean, there are very specific ways and I've read about it in the velocity of information too, of teaching people how to set a goal. And it sounds easy, right? Oh, just set a goal. But the reality is it's not easy to set unless you've been taught. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what do you want for your goal? Yeah. You know, your objective baseline and how you're going to measure it, how you're going to change, how you're going to feel if you don't, hit the goal or something like that. But let's go back here. This is um, bacon to sass. I imagine you're not alone there. Then again, the food a lot of people eat is much better. Yes. I could go for tacos right now. So I wish the Taco Bell was in walking distance. Hypothetically, it is, especially with the weather right now. But um, so Seattle's Microsoft Silver Blood Mine. So from Jim, going to stick with that analogy because it's accurate. So Skyrim. 
But if one wrong hydroelectric dam fails, millions will die and there's a flooding crisis and disease. You're right. And Jim, when I when I wrote, when I interviewed Juan Brown and wrote about the Orville Dam, the 2017, right? Orville Dam is the largest, tallest dam, 700 feet, Northern California. If the Orville Dam would have failed, Sacramento would have been five foot under water, right? Or basically five feet of water in Sacramento. Sacramento's in a basin. Um, and so, yeah. I can see that the printer will re report you to the... Yes, yeah. So, and the thing is, and this is where, when I was on, you know, I was giving Matt a heads up on this, like, you know, what, a couple of years ago, but in, in his audience, I said, you know, these people come on and, oh, I'll just go offline and stuff like that. I said, it just is, isn't going to work that way. Like for some of you, yes, but we are a subscription society, right? Like you go and you get your TV and stuff from Netflix and you have your subscription to Amazon and like, you know, you have your subscription for your software, right? As I'm getting this system updated. Um, thankfully, like the, the place where I'm getting it updated, they still sell like the one-time fee thing, but he's like, I don't know how long I'll be able to do this. Otherwise you have to get a, your subscription, but we're a subscription society. Like they cars, like, right. They even want you to subscribe to be able to have, you know, the different, you know, features, heated seats or something like that's a, a subscription, even though you buy the car with that. So, um, anyway, it is. 3D printers will ping this. I mean, this is just will happen very quickly. They'll ping out to some source and, um, and what they'll, what they'll probably say is, you know, just so you know, if there's anything matching similar in copyright or whatever. Um, so, or, and you'll subscribe, like you'll have, you'll just buy things and they'll probably be very affordable. But there's also like, what if you want to print things or modify things, right? Or you want to work with a community and then what crosses into what's been copyrighted or trademarked. So here's an interesting thing. Like, you know, in the book, because I have 471 endnotes, right? Like, so the book has to be very thoroughly cited so nobody can come back and successfully claim copyright infringement, which they wouldn't be able to do on that book. And it, very few things in that book that are outside of a handful of quotes where I've I've, I, you know, identify people fully cited, but, um, but if you were to do a copyright on something that you 3d print it, um, let's say it's a flute or whatever, you know, somebody could, it would cost you, I think like the minimum is about 250 bucks. So I was looking into this cause I'm going to trademark a couple things that are in the book, a couple of my diagrams. I'm going to trademark, um, because I use them in presentations and there's things with that, but, it's like 250 bucks to go to the government website and to like do the search. And if you've done it right, then I think you're pretty well protected, even if something that's discovered later and you can prove that you did the search, whatever. But, um, but these are things that people don't realize. Right. Um, so yeah, your 3d, your printers are totally, and, and what is it all pro what could happen, right? If there's government regulations said, Hey, like you can't, um, use a 3d printer unless it pings out to whatever, right? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know all these things, but, um, or they could outlaw, you know, a, a 3d printer, or if you print more than one of something, right? on a 3D. I don't know. I don't know all these things, but 
I do know the case act in 3D printing as a very abrasive interface. So much overregulation, micromanagement. For, yeah, no kidding. And the thing is now with like the case act, for example, you're presumed guilty until you prove your innocence. And these committees can can put fines up against you of several thousand dollars right off the bat. They can look at your, you know, whatever you 3D print it and say, oh, yeah, this is a copyright. And this committee could literally be five people from your town that were just, it's not really a town level. I don't know. This is be a regional type thing. But uh, so let's see here. Is this a weather thing that came in? Uh, no, it's U.S. Uh, Cellular saying uh, just in time promotion. Bucks lost. That sucks. So let's be a hard series for him without Chris Middleton. Let's check out a weather update here. Let's do the radar. Still pretty far off from us. Slow moving. Looks pretty intense, though. Um, definitely get... No, you're you're right, you're right on. So that's, that's so, and that's where we could say it's like negative, right? You're going to expect news that's coming out about three D printers and things. So this is where I'm excited about three D printing, for example. And I wrote about that in Velocity of Information. Like three D printing is, again, it's kind of like our modern microwave. Like you know, when the microwave started, you know, in the '80s, like people had microwaves. I mean. It was this awesome thing to have in your house. Like you could, you know, put something in there and heat it up and you didn't have to stove, all this other stuff. But when you have a 3D printer in your house and, and the ability to have a menu and things you can print versus like going to a store, get them or car parts or parts for your, as Flying Rich would say, like for his pool vac or whatever these things turn out to be. At some point, they'll be 3D printing for food and stuff like that. I don't want to get into all that because I don't really have a position on that. I wrote about it in the book. Um, GE is already trying to get there, but um, but you are there's this trade-off, right? Like everything that you print under these subscriptions and things, maybe it's really affordable, maybe it's really portable. You don't have to leave your house, stuff like this. But I, but there will be a record of everything you've printed, and it'll be checked for everything that you've designed or manufactured, right? As part of owning this system, there will be this record of it that's kept. So. This is uh, Bacon the Gym. There are Microsoft buildings in Seattle, but the base in Redmond, I think, and I hate most of the people that work in Amazon buildings. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Toy Town. Unregistered guns were yesteryear. Unregistered 3D printers are tomorrow. Could be. Toy Town could be. Um, so, yeah. And the thing is with this, right, this will be what will the legislation be on this? Will it be that if you have an unregistered 3D printer, it'll be a felony? So what if they find one in, in your house or your property and now they take everything from your property or, you know, there's a lien against your property or a $50,000 fine or some hold on your 401k or you can't bank, right? I mean, we don't know what, um, what the state could do on these things. And that's the part that gets really scary on, on, a, on this, especially in the last year, I think. Like people who donate it to the... Uh, to the truckers in Canada, and then all of that became made public, and pretty soon people were finding out they could, didn't have access to their bank accounts, not only people from Canada, but some people in the U.S. So, hey, it's T for Texas. Subscribe to this channel if you haven't, you're new.
Hey, hello, buddy. Hey, good people. T for Texas. Yep, Toy Tony. So channels, do, I think we're at 1187. We've kind of hovered around there. Be nice to get up to 1,200 subscribers. So we're doing good on watch hours. We don't have our, our uh, traditional um, people who will just like watch and watch and watch and watch. They need to stop developing Vegas, second fast city in the Midwest desert. Yeah, Vegas has got troubles ahead for it. <laughs> so, I mean, especially like residential Vegas, right? Um, they make a trademark approved clock, BP gun with clock polymer, no Senate, big five sporting goods. So, yeah, yeah, right. So, and the question is like, just does it get who decides what's well, politicians, right? Legal or not legal, and then suddenly you have something that's what was legal yesterday and today it's not legal. Built a Build a cup could easier throw some fentanyl pills in your car. You're done. Yeah. So one of the things, too, is, uh, you know, Joe Dolio, a tactical wisdom. But Joe is always saying, always have a camera on you, right? Like he has these links to these uh, pen cameras you can keep on you from, uh, you know, get them pretty cheap off of Amazon. So, like, video evidence is really big. But, right, what if you... The thing is, like, we are in this this whole place where video evidence was is really big right now, but I think in a year it's going to be very much contested because people say, like, oh, that was deep fake or deep fake avatar that was manipulated. That's when we have this whole like White House disinformation czar, which is a crazy position, right? All these positions just being created, <laughs> but um, this disinformation czar and that kind of like that person hasn't been heard of after she did her. Weird XB Aladocious, you know, whatever her TikTok thing, which I thought was was really demeaning to a a, a political a pointy position at a White House. But anyway, um, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could see if you had a disinformation czar in a committee that would tackle like deep fakes and avatar realism, like that would make sense. And I, I like, <laughs> I know people that would be appropriate to put on that committee, right? Teresa Payton and so forth. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, this, this whole thing of just having, uh, th this is really bad, <laughs> right? So disinformation, what is it? And you're going to have some person, one person, whatever, making this determination and see, we'll see what happens with Elon Musk and, and Twitter. But, but that's, and that's, again, we get into propaganda if you were going to introduce a disinformation czar, which I didn't think was necessary, but um, at a federal level, right? It's really scary. And then what if you were declared that you are a, you know, purveyor of disinformation? What could be the consequences for you? But, uh, but yeah, as we go through this whole disinformation thing, wouldn't it have made sense to present this person and saying they are going to be leading you know, towards cyber disinformation, toward bots and toward deep fakes and avatar and stuff like that. It would have made sense to do that. So, um, yeah. Heath is saying China makes it easy to remove the restriction on regulated electronics. A lot of times they come with instructions on how to make them fun. Interesting. Andrew to Jim. Yeah. If I were in a jury, I would always vote not guilty unless the cop has body cams on his hands. Uh, New York Outcast. Uh, good evening, everyone. I'm tied up tonight. So just dropping in, say hi, and hit the thumbs up. Thank you, New York Outcast. Very much appreciate it. So, 
Appreciate it. Let's go back here to comments. Um, it's our good friend says one too many. What have him back on the show? Um, my friend got a DV while walking away from his mom. You know the way you might wave your hand at a fly or mosquito. Barely touched hands and the police hauled him away when they found him. Whoa. Whoa. I think DC, right? Disorderly conduct, only a VNC, but disorderly conduct, yeah. Um, what happened with UFO settings with the number of cameras? Do, <laughs> right? And if we go back a year ago, um, so... Um, this was it a year ago yeah so let's bring this up so this was remember it was back last summer back in june where the u.s intelligence community was going to have this big ufo report and these videos of ufos and stuff like that and here's like one but you're like well what is what's really going on here you know you're watching this i don't know and, you know, this, this groundbreaking stuff, and uh, it really came out to be nothing, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's really good, right? And it's kind of, we have like, Channel 42 is like either the UFO or the Ghost Channel. Like one of the, one of the two is playing on there all the time. And it's, it's funny because it'll bring people on, like, this person's a, a folklorist. I'm like, a folklorist? What is that type of job title? But, um, yeah considering the right some high definition images of this stuff it's a good point um god it's, it's ufo things going crazy on the other screen here uh made that exact point to being a guy about ufo so i remember when i was in college there was a guy that came in and uh he was he did a presentation of ufos and so i'm assuming he just went college to college and uh this was like a night thing yeah, and then a lot of his stuff was blacked out. Like 90% of what he put on the overhead was blacked out. And it was kind of a novelty back then. People were razzing him and stuff like that. No one took him serious, I guess. But it's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I'm about ready to tune out the world for a while. What's the point of embracing this? Like Hang in there, Sass. I want to have you back on the show. Just so we can kind of talk about this thing. Sass and I have been talking about some other stuff too, so be kind of good to do that let's try to do that soon um but no i am one of the things um i i really get tired of is um well one is the media i absolutely hate the i hate the news and i hate the nightly news right the curated news which is just a joke um but i i just i, I don't care for this stuff at all that's why at least in summer i you know you know bike riding and working a yard doing other stuff get away from this um but yeah you're you're right it is uh it's 24 7. one of the things right now with um the stock market just puking itself which is a horrible right <laughs> so and it's not going to get any better it doesn't look like it's going to get any better any soon so you know like the brokerages will come on and they'll be like you know join us at 315 for a conference call and we're going to give like uh, updates and stuff like that they don't know anything they have, they know nothing. They know nothing more than you do. Of course, you have to positive spin it. So you're just going to hear, oh, you know, there's headwinds right now, but you know, a year from now or whatever. Remember, you're investing for the long term. I'm like, well, no. <laughs> like, you know, if you, if if you have a hundred dollars and it goes down 
let's just say hypothetically, $100 goes down 50%, you have $50. If $50 goes up 50%, you have $75, right? So to try to reclaim what you lost is really hard. Plus you're paying like the, all these fees, like if mutual funds or like, you know, management fees, if, if that's the situation you're in, but your taxes on capital gains or dividends, I mean, you're getting beat up all the way down and you're getting beat up all the way back to the starting line. So like you listen to these people and I'm like, you don't, you know, nothing more than I do. Like this is modern age, right? Like I have access to things and plus phase validity and people like, and if you knew all of this, why weren't you the leading firm to come out and tell all your clients, like things were going to go, you know, horribly bad here with inflation and other things. It's just a joke. And that's where I really, I really have got my fill with all this stuff. So anyway, I'm, yeah. I mean, people right now, I mean, if you're locked into a 401k, like through, right, your employer and you're not 59 and a half, you can't take it out. You can't retire. I mean, you guys can take it out penalty and stuff like that, but uh, you're really cooked. I mean, you're just sitting there watching what you have just get beat up. And yes, you're going to have money added to it now to cost average, but that doesn't nearly make up. I mean, especially, um, I mean, if, if you kind of look at these things on a timeline, right? If you go back and say, you know, the 2008 cri housing crisis and banking crisis, Lehman Brothers went under, GM got bought out by the government, right? And then, you know, the, the, the pandemic, and now we get hit up again with inflation and this whatever. I mean, that's a pretty, in 14 years to have those three big hits, like that's not good because you just kind of recover and you get hit again and sink and then kind of recover and hit again. Um, and the whole time, like you're, you're paying on the way up. If anything, you're getting your tax, you're getting taxes on the way up or I don't know, but, um, it just irritates me. I get so fed up and the government makes it so difficult for, let's say like a 20 year treasury bond, 20 year T bond, which went down today, which is, it's a bad sign when the market goes down, T bond should go up. But anyway, like you can get one through treasury direct, but to try to redeem one early, there's virtually no way to do that through treasury direct. So, you know, so, so these things like there should be to try to get something of a reasonable return, even though like inflation is just beating you up. I'm, I'm saying like 4% or something like that. There's no chance. Or if you do it, you totally like have to, give up your money, give up par for 20 beers. So it's really, it's just, it's insane. Um, but yeah. So forget UFOs. I have conspiracy claim birds are hoax. Yeah. I don't know. I've, uh, I'm not on that the birds are hoax, but you could probably put a camera on some kind of mechanical bird today it'd be pretty easy why wouldn't you just do a drone like the, a drone that's the size of a dragonfly or something like i think that's been out for a while um andrew this is the bacon fun fact about 80 percent of seagulls fly to mono lake near lee vinning california it's one of the saltiest lakes in the world i didn't know that my friend was walking walking out of his mother's apartment my goodness um So this is from SAST. Annual bonus protection strategy. The board protects the board. 
Yes, of course. <laughs> right? Uh, Jim's saying, he used to work at one hour photo. Got good at it. All switched to digital. Yeah. Man, I remember when I got my 35 millimeter camera when I was in college and how excited I was. You know, we still have, um, you know, quite a few of the, the pictures, right, taken back then and stuff like that. But uh, then the first digital cameras kind of really sucked. Um, so, like, my oldest daughter, like, when we had a digital camera, you know, her pictures, like, those just aren't as good. Um, like, when she was a baby. Bacon and Jim. If it makes you feel better, I can mail the disposable camera. <laughs> yeah. Got it. I remember going to weddings and there was a thing. You guys probably remember this to put disposable cameras on tables and then, oh, take pictures throughout the wedding and just leave the cameras here and we'll get them developed. So, but back then, like you really had to 35 millimeter camera, like you'd be really careful how you used your film, right? You couldn't take 45 shots of something. Um, and, and yeah. So it's really, it's, it's strange. It's kind of strange. Like I actually now don't take as many pictures as I did three, four years ago, maybe. Um, you know, when I'm up biking, I like to take a, a few pictures, but I, I was out hiking last week. I took one, I think I took one picture when I was out hiking the whole time. And it was an interesting, very interesting picture. Um, and I knew it like the moment that I I was walking through this area. I'm like, I gotta get a picture of this. And let me bring it up. Oh, come on. Jeez. Having yeah, the computer needs to be updated. So this is this is the picture I took. No. Hang on. Hang on, hang on. Okay. So I took this picture a week ago when I was out hiking. And I think when I think this is an amazing photo. Um, so this is outside of my town. Actually, this area is going to be developed into a subdivision. So um, if you go like back over here, there's already a couple cut-ins for homes, stuff like that. But um so I, these things here look like cactuses. I don't know what these are. <laughs> I mean, and this tree looks really kind of freaky and stuff like that. And, and this will kind of grow up, but um, but yeah. So, and it's interesting because over here, at some point this was cleared and all those big stones are over here. Um, almost like boulder size. So I don't know, like a hundred. You can kind of see some back here, but this is a really... Um, interesting image i i actually would submit this like i used to submit to the county fair photos stuff but i think this is fascinating it has a right balance right because you clear blue sky what in the world are these things they look like skinny cactuses this thing is really a freaky tree over here but then you got green here so like as you look at this your eyes just kind of move all around but it is it is a really dystopian weird type of photo and these things weren't in any other place, like these uh, tall cactusy things. Like they were only kind of in this area. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the photo. Like it's, but I only took one. This is the only photo 
I took. It was like says a week ago, I think it was like 65 degrees. And so it was like a anyway, it's kind of a neat photo. Um Bigfoot. Whoa. Put a sign on that field. Uh it says future location of mattress firm. Oh my goodness. My dad has his 50s and 60s. Yashika is neat how it works. Three Shika, okay. Or batteries plus. Yeah. Uh, I miss quality engineering. Everything is cheap electronics. Yeah, I have um yeah, no, absolutely right. I still have the toolbox from my great grandfather, which had all of the hand tools to like, you know, the, the hand drill, like where you just, you know, there's no electricity for it and uh, all of that stuff, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, you're right. That everything is just really cheap electronics right now. I, and I miss when I was like in middle school, um, the video games, which would be handheld, like football and baseball, like there was quite a bit to those. And uh, between electronics and mechanical and stuff like that. And now, again, everything is just as cheap on a screen as an app. So, yeah. Um, game stocks. Stocks. Yes. Yeah, man. I don't, you know, the thing is, like, I just, it, it just is, it's really bad. So here's, so this isn't very far from, um, let me put up this other image give you kind of an idea here. So when I get out to that area I was just at, I have to hike past these homes. All right. So actually where this yield sign is, you hike up the road and then it kind of gets you into this area where just trails and stuff like that. These are all really expensive homes. So I live kind of like back here. Um, and then this is kind of weird that this has never developed. Like in winter, I'll hike out here. And um, this was all Native American. This was Winnebago Indian tribes um, had settled this. And that was all on the maps back in like 17, 1800s. Um, but yeah, there's some really huge homes. So where I'm at, like I have to walk like up this hill and then kind of come over here. But I, I wouldn't want where these homes are located because like this... This is really steep. This hill comes up and like if you if it's a snowing, like you go right into the front of this house, and then plus the water, and just I don't know. I, I just think these are it's a kind of precarious location for these these homes. Um so yeah, there's some really big places up here. But anyway, let me draw your attention to the background. Um so this is about five miles away from where I took that picture. It's about five miles out of town. See this complex? <laughs> that is the power plant. And in 2018, it was rated the, the most efficient coal power plant in the United States. It had just undergone a $900 million upgrade renovation. And uh, so this is, again, outside of my town. It's about five miles away. So just you can get an idea, like where I'm standing at, it is at least five miles, maybe six miles away when I took this picture. So it's huge. This has been officially decommissioned, or it will be. In 2025, they'll no longer be able to use this as part of the Green Energy Initiative. So when people are running for county board, 
this was the number one thing of like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to make up? Because this is the power for not only my city of 10,000 people, but the city next to it and the city over here and part of the metro. I mean, this is a huge power plant. I mean, there are dedicated rail lines that come here from, you know, Wyoming. Um, and and people are like, what's the deal? Like, you know, it was just upgraded. Like, it is very efficient. But, yeah, it's just it's you can't have it. So, and, and I think my taxes will go up $800 when this is taken offline. People that live out here in this area, their taxes will double because of the subsidy by the, by the plant. So this, this is really weird. You can't get anywhere near this right now to and try to take pictures or stuff. It's just stuff is really strange. Um, but yeah, so this, this power plant is being, you know, eliminated. Um, and everyone's like, why? <laughs> like, what's the deal? Um, so yeah. And we have big industrial park, you know, that's again, you know, just for perspective, like that's, that's five, six miles easily out there. So it's kind of freaky. The fact that, um, you know, what is it going to mean for our community? You know, we live, this is Wisconsin. I mean, it's overcast. There's snow here five months of the year. And to think you're going to, if you go way over here, there's like windmills and things putting in some kind of solar, but is that going to replace this? And the fact that it's just, there was no say, they just got told it's shutting down from the EPA or whatever. So I don't know. It kind of freaks me out. I don't, I don't like that. There's no phase out. It's not only that, right? There was another part to this. It's not just like idle the plant. It's like idle it and destroy it. And you'll kind of see like that's happening a lot around the country right now. So, um, whoa. Um, Doc is going to have a stalker that watches the show. Try to find him while he's hiking or biking. <laughs> I don't think you're going to. Oh, no, man. I don't think you're going to find me when I'm biking because I, I take a lot of different routes. Uh, yeah. And actually, this one that I this hiking one, like I probably won't do that for a long time again, because this will start to grow up and then there's different areas I would hike. So, um, but yeah. Then they ordered it torn down because of global. That's a thing, right, Jim? So you're right on with this. And that's the point that a lot of the, the people run for county representative were saying like, it's one thing to shut it down, which seems a little weird too but shut it down and completely destroy it. And that's the, that's the thing, right? So you can never use it again. Um, it just is really, it's really strange. And I mean, out of what, 30 people running for county seats, this was like everybody's top topic. Like, why is this happening? Why do we have no say in, in this? Quick, everybody buy an EV, no electricity. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and this, and we are in a growing area. So, I mean, how do you replace this? And again, in 2018, this was rated the most efficient. This had won awards. It had just gone through a $900 million upgrade, and now they're sacking it. It's got to be gone. But it's fine for China and India to promote. Yeah, absurd. It is absurd, right? And actually, you know, could if somebody did an analysis of, you know, the, these all these things burning, 
in Ukraine and Russia with these attacks and how much CO2 and pollution that's putting in the air, right? I've never seen that, but I'm watching like these refineries or this this iron factory, you know, burn or something like that and all this, this smoke. And I'm like, what's the deal there? Or, you know, um, that, that is just being man-made. I, I, I just don't get it, but, but yeah. So, so yeah, for us, it's, this was really an asset for the uh, for the area too, and for property taxes, it subsidized substantially our property taxes and the people that lived out there. That was one of the selling points when we moved here. We didn't know about it, but the realtor made a big point about it. Um, so, hello, Wisconsin! It's media hits. Hello, media hits. Environmentalism is just another big giant. Yeah, the thing is, and I. And Sass, the thing that I that I don't understand on this is um, right in the year twenty fifty. Let's just say roughly twenty fifty. Every not everything, but most there are enough studies, right? There's enough research out there that says by the year twenty fifty, we're probably going to have clean technology, right? Like if you're going to build a home either through solar panels or through geotherm or whatever is going to be developed or just like it's the technology is just going to advance where you're not going to be burning a lot of coal or, or gas will be like outdated or you're going to have a battery battery life and we're easily, you know, in the 20, 30 years from now, a vehicle or something could get five, 800 miles off of these. Technology would get you there. Like it's just happening. Like that, these th there'll be this cross section where these te technological advances will will just happen. Um, you know, in, in robotics for a lot of things, like well, farming, like a robot will go out and weed, whatever. I don't know. Um, so why, out of all of mankind, why do we have to go crazy to eliminate to try to speed this up by twenty years when in 20, 30 years, it's naturally going to be there anyway. It's going to be more efficient to 3D print. It's going to be more efficient to have, you know, some of these solar, geothermal, whatever technologies, different battery technologies, which will, will just kind of happen. Who knows? I mean, but they'll be there. Robotics, machine learning. So it's weird. Like, that's going to happen. That will be there. Um but you, so you're 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 causing all of this um, disruption now to try to force it sooner, and it's just it's a mistake, big mistake. So, yeah, it is it is all agendas, um, and it's really it, it's pretty it's pretty frightening. Um, so it's the negative bias, right? Like, so I look I look at this, and to me, like this is a this is a negative bias, right? You know, I look at this and I'm, I'm just expecting more bad news to come out about like our power source, you know? Um, so I'm kind of primed for that. And that's the way that has been portrayed. So I just expect that we'll have more bad news about our energy reliability here, even though we have this fully functioning $900 million updates plant. And it's not only that, you know, so the negative news then that I expect is the railroad you know, this isn't going to have the travel on it. So who's funding the railroad and people moving to this area. And so, I mean, I'm just going to tune into those things. I, I suppose you could say, 
you're not going to have the pollution of this, although like it wasn't anything noticeable, like soot on homes. And I have kind of lighter colored siding. There wasn't anything like that. Um, but I don't know. So, um, this is our good friend, Jim. Yep. Look at Southern Chicago area. It looks like a war zone. Yes. Yeah. How about all the diesel burn to float goods all over the world protected? Yeah, true, right? Completely true. Um, he's the thing. There isn't much to understand. The people in power hate us. So, yeah, I never felt the way I do now about politics until the last two, three years, right? The people, people are not acting in your in your best interest, um, which I think is clearly communicated in the velocity of information. So what can you do and, and at least recognize this and try to maneuver in these environments when that's not happening? But, uh, but I mean, like I said, I'm seeing it local. I'm seeing, you know, it's very strong in the county and the municipalities saying, well, what's going on here? Like, why is this, who made this decision? And why do we have no record? There were no hearings. And why can't we even go out there? You know, why is this place kind of sanctioned off now? Um, so where's my flying car? No, stop flying us. Flying cars, yeah. It's beyond stupid talk. So, yeah. Um, again, give you guys a close-up. So, again, yeah, that's about six miles yeah, really good area, right? And it has access to um, the Wisconsin River flows by it, so it has access to cooling and stuff like that. It's very, very efficient. Again, like I said, award-winning in 2018 or 2019 was the number one efficient coal plant with all these scrubbers and all this stuff to, uh, and it's just been shut in 2025. Um, so... A new EV, this is Heath with zero miles, has a carbon footprint of, of a petro car, with, a petro car with a 90, yeah, right. How do you dispose of these things? Um, what do you do in cold weather? Just so much with that. Bet it's a tax issue or bond issue, not in my backyard. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, no, I'll tell you though, the people where, where this is at, everybody there wants this. It's been there. Um, there are actually very nice homes not far from this. It's been, it's, it's, so the, the people, and of course, when, when this power plant goes away in 2025, their taxes will double. Um, so they are not, there's nobody here complaining about the power plant. It was completely an EPA decision. So, yeah. Um, you need to drive the EV for at least hundred K miles before you break even. Scientists that aren't using science or common sense. Nope, you're right. I don't even know if they're scientists, right? They want to mass produce them. BMW scraps them. If there is an issue in the battery, cheaper to make a new one. Yeah. Doc, all you're mentioning proves these actions are a feature. <laughs> right. They are a feature. You're right, Andrew. Uh, yeah, more smoke stack scrubbers. So, um, uh, you know, and, and so, like, if you go out of town, you can start to see the windmill farms, but you know, they're again, that's a, 
That's not all it's cracked up to be, right? So, um, Jamekinash, humans have a hard time. This is counting to 2D. Uh, yeah, imagine the mess if we switch to 3D. Yeah, driving is 4D. Yeah. So, wow, 4D. So, I have a cool, I have a cool image. Let me bring this one up. Oh, come on. Um, geez. Here we talk about negative, negative, negative. So this is something I shared on Twitter. I think this was yesterday, right? And, and over here on the right, so this is a 20-year treasury note. Stock market's just been plummeting, right? So um, the treasury note, so if you had $100, you could buy a treasury note and you get 3.4%. And then twice a year, the government would pay you the 3.4%. After 20 years, they'd give you your $100 back. So 3.4 is very high, relatively speaking. Um, the notes like in November were like 1.5 for a 20-year. So in the morning, it started at 3.4 at, at 7.32. At 9.22 is 3.429. By 2.02 yesterday, it was 3.447. That's a big jump. And basically what this chart is showing you what is Uncle Sam willing to pay people, governments, financial institutions, whatever, to take these bonds to give the government money? And to have a jump from 3405 to 3447 in one trading as the market goes down like a thousand. So basically, when you watch this, the government is trying then to get you to give money as an individual, right? It's more corporations or other. Um, countries or stuff like that to buy these bonds. And then they go in and they buy through BlackRock and whatever securities to try to balance out the stock market. So it's really telling to see this. So I was posting this and saying, as the market went down and down, it was more desperation to up the rates to try to get more money to come in on this side. And then bonds are used to buy securities. So, but today the market went down pretty significantly and the and the rates dropped and that's a very bad sign. Um, so, so when the rates are dropping, that means that other usually institutions or countries are flooding the market with their bonds. Every time you're trying to pay more, they're, they're flooding and selling more out there and, and so there's, uh, but anyway, it's just really, it's like negative. So when I expect to, my negative bias is I'm expecting these rates will just continue to go up, which will indicate that there's more uncertainty in the government in the short term and long term. Because again, this is a 20 year note um, and that the stock market's going to fall. If this note gets like, to, I, I've said, if this note gets to like 5%, which is very possible, then it's going to mean that the stock market will drop or be down significantly because if investors can get 5% on a note that is very secure, like the government would have to default, which could happen. But um, I mean, that's not a bad return because I mean, if you're in the market and you don't have to pay state and local taxes on a bond. So it's really more like if you could have 5%, it's probably like a percent higher, probably like 6%. So 
you know, like if you bought this for retirement, that's not a bad deal. Like a six equivalent of a 6% bond. Not at all. So, um, I forgot it's the bond market's turned to crash. <laughs> I already experienced some of that. So, um, that's, this is all treasury direct. So the nice thing with treasury direct, even though it's a really crazy old <laughs> interface, right? Um, you're not paying anybody to, you're not paying a brokerage and, and they're not taking a cut off of, you know, 1.8% of your balance every quarter or something like that. Um, the, the, the problem is with treasury direct is it's really difficult to redeem anything before it matures. So, um, the interface is not set up for that. The system isn't set up the structure of these treasury notes. So, um, so there's a trade-off in that, but anyway, um, these are things I kind of pay attention to. I never did before with uh, same penalty, either severe injury, permanent meat suit loss. Yeah. No kidding. So, uh, you know, that's where, you know, you can look at some of these things and be like, if you can just stay on the positive side of an investment, even if you're 3% up, right? In something versus this 20% down, it is so hard to recover, especially today when people are not holding stocks for the long term. Um, you know, uh, it is so, and things are just becoming more frequent. You know, the 2008 crash, the 2020 crash, 2022 crash, like it's very difficult to recover. Um, and at the same time, fees are being taken away, your taxes on capital gains and dividends, stuff like that, where if you can just stay on the plus side of things. I was reading quite a bit in the um, Great Depression, right? If you could just stay on the plus side of your investments, like even if you're getting like 0.01% versus the person who was losing 25%, like how much better you're off, even though you had inflation and other things like you still were keeping your principal, even though your principal was being eroded by inflation versus like somebody who was losing principal and also having to deal with inflation. So that's where I'm at right now. But um, so I've been watching these treasuries just kind of take off um, these treasury notes and yeah, it's pretty wild. So gold and silver's yeah, gold and silver's uh, down. Notice that right now. So swing trade, you bet. Um, Jim to bacon. This is what we um, get making people learn to drive on <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, you can lose lose if you don't sell. Uh, yeah, it is. It's true, right? Um, yeah, assessed. Uh, is saying, and, and and imagine right now, I mean, anybody who's locked into a 401k or retirement setup, right, where you have, uh, you, it has to stay there, right? Or you're not old enough to do withdrawals or different, or, you know, do you sell your position or do you, what do you, what, what are options are even available to you to try to move into Things, but if you're already down 20%, you move to a money market. Maybe you'll avoid the uh, other 20% down, but if it returns up, then you're buying in. So, I mean, it's, it's just a bad setup, man. It just is a bad deal. 
um, and not a, on a tractor or at least lawn tractor, Jim is saying. 3.527 20-year note is the point where you double your money at 20 years. So, yeah. And Andrew, though, it pays every, it pays twice a year, so it doesn't compound. So, but the pl a plus is you're not paying state or local taxes. I don't have local taxes, but I, I, we do have pretty significant state taxes in Wisconsin. So, you know, um, I, I believe 20 year notes are going to hit 5%. And then, you know, then I think it's really, really an attractive option. Um, now when they hit 5%, I mean, inflation could be pretty wild. Um, but I mean, what other options do you really, do you really have? Um, I don't know. I mean, right. Gold. I mean, there are options out there, but I'm saying like on a treasury note, if I can get 10 year above four, if I can get a 20 above five, I don't really, I wouldn't tie up for 30. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be around 30 years. I really don't. Um, but I, you know, 10 and 20, if I could get a 10 above four and a 20 above five, I think those would be very appealing to me. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, they're trying to kill us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could tell you stories. I could, man, there are, there are, there, there are many stories I could tell, right? Couldn't, couldn't tell them here, but, um, there are stories I could tell. So yeah, very, <laughs> those are, there's all campfire stories down the road. So, uh, so I second that Jim McIntosh. So I noticed that when the okay boomer meme started being applied to Gen X, yeah. Um, well, all the attention's focused on boomers and millennials. No kidding. So, um, yeah, you know, this whole thing to like, so. So right now the sun the sentiment is just negative on the the market. Like, and what would what would change it? Maybe midterm elections, maybe twenty twenty four. You know, um, change in administration, I think could significantly change the sentiment on markets. So, I would think though, you're probably looking to twenty twenty four, because one of I mean even if Ukraine and Russia, which could go on for a decade, right? I mean, you'd kind of know where things were at, right? Of what to expect in that. Um, and and so I would think 2024 would be your turning point, but it could also be a turning point for much worse, right? If you didn't have a change in administration, um, I, I mean, I, did, I mean, what do you do with these companies that would be forced to rapidly meet these um, carbon credits. What do you do with like a 3M and, you know, companies like that? I mean, like, where would you invest? Um, I just, I, I, just across the board, I mean, as you look at a, a portfolio, I mean, it would be really, it would be really crazy to do that. I mean, look at how Disney's just been destroyed um, recently. So let's take a look. So Disney stock. So let's take a look here. So Disney is down to 106. Let's take a year though. 
Disney has gone down 42% in the last year. And, uh, and so it's at it's, it's low here, but, um, in addition to that, Disney stopped paying its dividend during the pandemic. So this used to be a fairly stable dividend stock. So that's gone. And now you've lost 42% if you're a Disney person. I mean, so is Disney going to come back? Well, what 166,000 employees worldwide? I don't think so. I don't. Um, it is now, it's a, there's a political liability, the streaming services of Disney Plus. I don't think that's attractive. Look at how Netflix is getting killed. I think it's kind of moving beyond this stuff. To actually run and operate a park has a lot, you know, in, in cost of employees and stuff like that it has a huge overhead to it. Um, air travel sucks. So the appeal of doing these things, um, I just don't think is going to be there. So Disney came out and I thought this was crazy that they did this. Um, I knew immediately when they did this, that it, it was a, this was a bad sign. So right here. So let's take a look at this. So um, this was February 17th. Disney came out and said, we're building a, we're going to uh, build a planned community of condos, houses and estates in California. See what it'll be. So it would actually be like Disney characters, all this. So this might seem familiar to some of you because Disney did this in Orlando, outside of Orlando, and it was called Celebration Village. I think it was back in the 90s. It was a big failure because a lot of the stuff was really shoddy and people just thought it'd be like living in Disney and it wasn't, right? And this is kind of how they're passing this off of it'll be like living in Disney. It'll be like kind of character and themed and all of that. And But the reality is, you're not. how are you going to get the water for this? I mean, you're already having the water supply issues. You, 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 this just, politically, this would never fly in modern day California. It would be, it would never be approved. Um, you know, that you're, that I mean, everyone that would live here basically has to be a multimillionaire. You know, you probably have like $3 million baseline just to be in this community. Um, so Disney puts this out there in February when the stock is tanking and other political things are going on. And, and I looked at this and I said, just like when Biden was going out for, oh, you know, we're a big campaign against cancer. This is Disney trying to like throw people so they don't look at what's happening now and saying, oh, look, we'll be out here and generating revenue and all this in the future. And I'm like, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. This is just to to disguise that, you know, Disney is, is uh, rapidly dying. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. The, the stock is down 40% and, uh, and continues to plummet. And what's really the value? I mean, again, as people and as society becomes more dangerous, um, just in general, I mean, this is, a, this is just a not going to happen. So, um, yeah. like an entire generation simply doesn't exist. Jim, you're right on with that. May is a typical market crash. The old term selling may and go away comes to mind. Yeah, SAS, you're right. You know, so, and we already hit that, right? Like it's already happening. So, I mean, what what is these, what is the impetus to drive markets higher? I mean, I guess if there was a ceasefire or whatever in Ukraine and Russia, that would do some of it. But yet, like, you know, the nightly news and things like that is saying, 
plan for, and I see it in my preparation for my school administration classes, plan for lock, you know, stay at home orders and, and a new variant and fall and all of those things. Well, you know, if this stuff happens, I mean, you know, we will, Marcus will be down another 20, 30%. Um, and where's the new money coming into this too? Like, where's, where's that? I just, I don't, I don't see it. So, um, but Disney go woke, go broke. Um, yeah. Disney is, is curiously staying out of the, uh, what the Supreme court is, is, uh, talking about right now. Right. Um, how about Moderna? No kidding. Right. I mentioned on your tweet that the dividend cancel is more important. You did. You're right, Andrew. Yeah. Um, when you suspend a dividend and it, you know, there it's to, to be a dividend aristocrat to like pay for 25 years uninterrupted. This, I don't know where Disney was at on that, but to be a company of Disney size and to stop your dividend is a really bad sign. <laughs> um, and as an investor, I, I would not buy a stock that did that. Um, and for example, there, I mean, many stocks, Procter and Gamble and, you know, 3M and, you know, a lot of just your energy stocks, Con Ed, stuff like that, went through the last three years, whatever, and did not halt their dividend. Um, so when you when you halt it, you're not paying at all. You're, this is different from not increasing your dividend. You say, we're not paying a dividend anymore. We have to use that for cash reserves or to build up um, offset lost revenue. That's a bad sign. So in my opinion, right? Um, I personally, if, if, yeah, would not invest in a company that had stopped its, its, uh, dividend. So, um, again, degeneracy HL, I, and rooting every IP they own, intellectual property, making copy pasta characters of characters of people. Yeah. Uh, it was a bad sign when they arrested. I, yeah, I read something about that. Um, you know, I've just, I've talked to too many people now who have returned. Like we were there in 2017, Orlando, Disney Orlando, which I thought was an awesome experience. And it was, um, you know, snowy and snow banks here. I got down there, it was 80 degrees and really beautiful weather. And it's when they had the, um, the, the, the flower theme stuff. So all the characters down up in, you know, flower uh anyway um flowers but it was really nice and i thought like there was a perfect time to be down there you know it was affordable like gas was cheap it was like pretty safe to travel across the country like we just had a really good time things were running really well um, but i've had friends who've come back who've, who've been down there and other people i know have been down there and just said not the same experience nope <laughs> not at all so um and I'm like, yeah, Disney still has no real streaming service number. Yeah, they do. Right. And, and so, so think of that SAS. So they have that and they are at 42% down for the year with the stock. So imagine if that takes a hit as like Netflix and others have. Um, so that's probably a bad thing for Disney. Cause I, I just don't, 
I just think competitors are going to eat away at that. That's a very vulnerable area. Jim, remember rogue kissing Wolverine. Whoa, what a power. You can't touch anyone without killing them. Rogue life sucks. So, Jim, uh, whoa, Jim, I can't say on the air. It'd be like, um, uh, it would be like um, semi-pro, right? The announcer's on there. I'm like, oh, can't do that. All right. Descent is actually acting properly. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating to just observe what is happening in the state of Florida right now. Spamba fodder. Uh, yeah, those um, the, the water sucks in Florida. Water sucks. Great sulfur mine, though. So, Gatorade. That's why you got to do Gatorade in Florida. So, I remember when we were at um, uh, in Disney and and all the signs of like the because they have the waterways and stuff like that. And they'd say, like, don't get too close because there's alligators and snakes. Like, you know, so I take pictures of that because you know, we don't really deal with that up here. Don't deal with alligators, snakes, but not the kind that can bite and kind of kill you. So, um, so Andrew's saying, uh, Normie's looking at Disney stock, be like, uh, what could Putin do to this? Yeah. You know, and so like you look at Disney. I mean, I look at some of these things and structurally like that is some serious trouble. You know, you're down 40%. So let's do this. So you're at $106. I'm my calculator here. $106. So if you go up 40% plus 106, that takes you to 148 so if you go back up 40%, so that's the thing, right? You don't get back to where you were. You're less than that. Gosh. Take a look at this. One year, year to date. Or one year. Okay, let's bring it up. So one year you're down 42%, $106. Okay. So 42%. So you take 106 times 42% and it brings you up to $148, but your high for the year was 187. So that's the thing. Like you'd have to be up instead of 40%, you'd have to come up to 0.7 times 107. So yeah, you'd have to you'd have to have like a 70% return just to get back to where you were. So that's a thing like in the stock market, right? When you, um, oh, wait a second here. When you're down in the stock market, right? It is really hard to recover. So by the way, this is the updated uh, wall of wall of fame over here. So let me just... Uh, Put that up. It's pretty cool. So these are the two wall arts for my books. That's the audio book cover for Velocity of Information, which is done. It's, it's already on Find Away Voices, but I can't distribute it until April 1st of 2023. So sounds great. Six hours, 40 minutes. Ben Hawk, the actor, uh, narrated School of Airs should be out in July. It's completely narrated, so that's the cover of that. So that's cool stuff. So let's go back to the chat. Princess Cruise Line is also garbage. <laughs> it's the owned. So 
Yeah, I guess we kind of see things for what they are, right? So I don't know if, so it could be negative expectation bias, but I also think like for those of you, you know, who follow this show, right? It's a truth bias. It's it's being able to look at things and say that's accurate or that's not, right? <laughs> there's more to this. Um, so I think there there's a part in that. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a, that we're going at this from a negative bias perspective. I think we're going at this from a truth perspective. Um, but you but you can't get people that are totally locked in this negative perspective, right? Um, you know, people are convinced we're all going to be, every piece of news is going to lead them to, you know, we're all going to be stay at home in the next year and stuff like that. So... I don't know. Like I said, I think there's a lot of really cool things, technology, 3D printing. Uh, we have so much information in, that's available to us. We have like a uh, podcast. Um, you know, if we, if we use technology like GPS for hiking or things like that, or, but uh, cruise ship hulls, aluminum, not good for cargo. So are cargo containers made of aluminum? No, there must be actual reasons for that. I don't know. So just watching the original, uh, not the original, but the 1997 Titanic, right? With Leonardo DiCaprio and Win Winslet, Kate Winslet. And I had to watch it for a long time. And uh, it was on TV. And But uh, I didn't realize, like, it wasn't nearly as good as I kind of remember it when it came out. Because like there's so many things when you watch it now, the dialogue between characters to like kind of tell you about the ship and uh, I mean there's things so it's it, it's kind of like dumbing down the whole plot and the theme and all of this. It I don't I don't know. Um, anyway, like so <laughs> that kind of that kind of sucked. Um, yes, Titanic. So, all right, let's do um, a recap here on negative vicarious rehearsal. No, that's not what the show's about. It's negative expectation bias. So we all have biases. We all have biases. We all anticipate. Um, we Experiences are, are shaped by our previous knowledge, our parents' views, people around us, um, how we get our media, right? Like how we inform ourselves. And that's why, again, in my book, The Velocity of Information, get your member check network, other people, what are you seeing? How are you perceiving this? Maybe I'm getting a bad take on this. Um, and negative expectation bias, when people expect news, all news is bad news. And even if some... Right, all news isn't going to be bad news. There's there's news out there which is either neutral or there's news out there which is positive, and they'll only just hone in on this bad this bad news. Um, and yeah, you know, it's really it's damaging if you get in that mode. It just drags people down. And right now we're kind of in that mode, right? Because if you watch if you watch any news, but if you watch ABC Nightly News, you know NBC whatever. You lead off and it's just bad story, bad story, bad story, bad story, bad story, bad story, bad story. All of his bad stories. And it just wears you down. 
And if you start to, you know, surround yourself with people and you're just getting this bad information, you know, bad, bad, bad take negative. Um, you can be objectives on, on things, right? You know, you know, again, like what did say looking at the stock markets, right? I, I think in 2024, you could have a big swing in markets, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're willing to hang around till then, right. Um, there could be a significant, you know, swing into, into markets. Um, but, um, and I do think, you know, I, I think also like to, to be able to, um, think, oh, you know, by 2050, how we could cross into, you know, the way that technologies could help us battery technology and, uh, just so many things. I mean, like, just think of now, I mean, LED lights, how awesome it is to have LED lights. Like I have LED lights in this office. It used to be fluorescent. They got replaced with LED light. I mean, just the fact that, you know, they're cheaper and they last a long time. And we went, we went through that quirky fluorescent tube, squirt, that swirly bulb thing that those always burned out, even though they're supposed to last 20 years. But but we kind of got there, like, with the LED lights. So, um, yeah. And let's put... Um, in fact, the movers and shakers were against the donation of Federal Reserve around the Titanic. Yeah, I remember that. Isn't that the case? Um, maybe one slightly positive human interest story about 30 seconds from, yeah, that they do, right? <laughs> it's so, and even like they'll say like break, you know, we're coming on the news and I break things. I timed it out. I would watch and then I would, re, I would time. And even like a, a breaking news, bad, bad story might get 30 seconds total and people don't realize that like they think it might get three minutes but if you actually time it out it might get 30 seconds and some might get as few as like eight seconds right um you know wildfires and whatever superior colorado and and the whole bit is eight seconds so be like you know count this and whatever and you know there would be three images and then it's done it's on to the next thing so um i i think the media is toxic so i just suggest getting out of that. I think you know, Aaron Clary is, you know, would back that up too, but um, um, the, the whole mainstream thing, you know, you can get on podcasts, you can talk to people in different areas. That's where I think like things like ham radio, stuff like that be pretty cool. Um, your member check networks, uh, you know, what, what's really happening. Um, but yeah. So, um, so recognize this. And if people are, are into this, you know, they're getting out in a green space is a good thing. Um, teaching people how to set a goal for anything. It doesn't have to be, it could, you know, you think of goal and people are always like, well, fitness or whatever. It can be any goal, any, you know, whether they want to cook something, whether, you know, something you're going to read, you're going to make a garden or a goal or whatever it is a goal um, to sit down and actually dissect. What do you want to accomplish? How are you going to measure it? What things are you going to do? How frequently are you going to measure it? What's your baseline? How we measure change from baseline? If you don't get toward your goal, what can you change, right? Um, or do you set a different goal? Like people just don't know this. Um, and how long up are you going to measure it? A week, two weeks, right? So, um, Understanding, yeah, setting a setting a goal, doing things. The more things you do to this negative um, bias, 
the more things you do, the less likely you are to get stuck into this negative bias circle, meaning like the more experiences that you have. So if you go out and you're doing new things, if you're hiking or biking or learning something or talking with people or whatever, these are all experiences, right? And the more that you have start to displace the negative ones. So that's something that was very prevalent when I was doing the research too, is that people who tended to have negative expectation bias were almost cocooned, right? They weren't getting out and talking with other people or they were so into a routine, there was no disruption. So if they went shopping, like they would ne never interact with anybody or if they just would go to the post, like they were, there was no real interface where other people could interject or that they could experience things that were outside of this, like just means to do an activity. So that was very prevalent. Um, but yeah, and I think this happens with people of all ages. It's happening more with the younger people where they just expect bad things. Oh, like this week, we're going to have to wear the mask again or, you know, whatever. Or, yeah. Maybe it's just, um, yeah. So, um, the goal in Ukraine was achieved. Well, so they don't care uh, about men, as St. Jim. They're actively trying. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to grasp what is all happening. Like, you know, um, Kind of a tactical wisdom, uh, Joe Dolio, and you know future conflict. Looking at that of, of what's what's authentically happening from people who are observing this that are there, um, and deployments and all of that. And then you know, and I I've been on a show and I kind of look at also like the messaging and the propaganda parts. And propaganda might seem negative, but propaganda again got us in national parks stuff like that. But um, and I'm just like trying to make sense of this all. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it is really hard to look at the resources being put into, to Ukraine right now as, as things are happening domestically, which are uh, significant. Um, and, you know, I'm again, the whole kind of negative bias, but with the, um, with, you know, potential Supreme Court overturning, right? You know, very probable, I would say, that we would have protests and possible riots again this summer as we did in summer of 2020. So um, I'm just, uh, I'm kind of like, wow, um, what this recurring lending that's also happening over to, to Ukraine versus support for domestically with trying to uh, get supply chain. So food and medicine, you know, again, we talked earlier about formula not being available. So it's bacon. They, right? Yeah, you're right. They, um, it's bacon. So we're all just a production units on a multivariate database. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, Jim, one of the things I think the older I've gotten is I, I've come to the realization, uh, you know, I'm not granted, you know, I think there's a lot of terrific things, right? You know, professor of the year and 
things that I do, but I mean, it's, it's ultimately, you know, I'm a number, right? We're all a social security number in a database. And, um, so yeah, Disney's not down. News is always bad, 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 bad. So yeah, yeah, that's, it's really, it, this is really a, a sentinel time for some of these companies. And I guess Disney would be one of them, right? But, you know, look at Amazon, Google down 25%. Like who would have thought this was possible, right? And what happens to restore these stocks or, you know, there's like Sunbeam or like when General Electric started to sink, like that never came back, you know? Um, and so... What's really happening? Well, Doc is right. The media is an evil force. Yeah, I am so. Um, and, and when I talk in the chapter about uh, Juan Brown's Blanco Lirio channel, um, you know that was he continues to do just excellent work. Um, uh, Blanco Lirio. So let's bring it up over here. There it is, Blanco Lirio, 308,000 subscribers. So I don't know how many subs he had when I wrote about him, maybe 270 or something. So it's, it's always a hard thing. Like you write then you, in the book, I put how many subs, but now there's so many more. But yeah, so here he's talking about China Eastern Airlines, the California drought 2021 and his different shows here. So um, yeah. All right, so um, if you have any ideas for shows or or guests or you want to be a guest or something, let me know. Um, like if you're saying, oh, I have Joe Rogan on. Yeah, probably not going to happen. But um, I so what I'm what I am trying to do is to hit on themes that are in my book and do like a little reading, right and so while it's still close to the release of the, the of the book and but i'm going to start shifting kind of away from this i i think i'm going to shift to um maybe do a, a topic or or maybe like mix in a face validity show once in a while i used to do those face validity fridays but um i i, don't, I think i did have joe dolio on joe is real and joe's really He'd be great. Joe's swamped right now. Um, I talked to them not too long ago. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Joe. Um, so, yeah, I need to – I want to think this out too because I have some more topics I want to go through from the book um, to kind of build up this almost playlist, right, of, of shows that have to do with topics from the book, including this one. But, um when I did my face validity Fridays, I like those a lot. And I think I might, but the problem was like, it was screwing up my, it wasn't compatible with my schedule kind of long-term, but I might like flip these around a little bit to do a face validity show. So face validity Fridays, for those of you who did that. So I, I maybe did like seven or eight of those shows where I would do this on Monday and then on Fridays we'd have like four headlines that I would go through, like from different sources, um, media sources. And then 
we would analyze a headline and, and there were certain like tricks, there are certain ways we go through. Like if somebody's name was mentioned, it's likely it'd be more accurate than if it wasn't. And what is a low key, right? So, you know, um, a, a low key was saying, um, the pandemic is responsible for smash and grab crime increase in California. So you're blaming the low key, the pandemic for that. It can't defend itself. It's a straw man. And is that true? Right. Uh, versus, you know, policies and prosecution laws, technology, being able to organize crime, whatever. But so we, so that that was good. Like we would, we would do that. Those are great shows. It took a lot to prepare those, but I, I kind of like would, I want to go back to those and, and maybe just do like in every other, like we'd have a theme like this, but then like maybe show 183 would be uh, face validity. And um, we would go there. Hey, it's our good friend, Joe from old humble distilling company. So, and he had some, uh, some bottles, unfortunately were damaged. Um, and somebody put a post, don't think about the ones that were lost. Think about the ones that were saved. I thought that should be a meme. So Heath Knight to you. Thanks for being in here. So yeah, I have to keep checking that humble library to see if they have a, a certain book in stock. I'm going to, to check right now. So um, let's see here. We're going to check. Um, checking. Okay. Well, uh, here's the deal. Look at this. All right. So, um, they have my first book. <laughs> it's, it's available too. So they don't have the second book. Huh? Interesting. And Lisa has the book I was going. So, oh, he lost 12 in an industrial accident. We are sorry to, sorry to hear that. I think you said it took three hours of cleanup also. Um, and Lisa has the book that's going, okay. So it's a big day. It's a big day. Um, so there's been a, a, a lot of... Um, Great response to the Lost of Information. It's also been nominated for a Semantics and Nonfiction Award in New York. Um, more on that over here. Let me bring it up. Um, it's a big award. Um, yeah, it's a big award. But as far as a nonfiction work, um, let's bring it up over here. So this is the award that the book is has been nominated for and let's do it is the si hawakawa book prize and uh I believe he was um a senator and then also actually was a professor at university of wisconsin for a short time yeah united states senator from california uh, and an expert on traditional jazz so but i have been nominated for this award um, which is uh, general semantics or basically the meaning of words. So as we go in here, essential, non-essential, um, things like that, Taurus. So 
that is exciting. They won't make a decision probably until September on that, but that is um, in the nonfiction world, that is a very significant national award. So to be nominated is a very good thing. So um, so bullish. It's going to be fun to have both of the books out there in audio. Uh, so asking for a friend. Uh, it's funny. It's all fun in games, though, until Ro comes out and tells the uh, truth that she was a terror case. Whoa. Yeah. I, I think I think we're in for a a really um, just a contentious uh, situation in society coming you know through this summer. So, yeah. Um, I mean, so the last information is appearing in libraries across the world. It's, it's interesting, like Germany and Britain, but also like in China, like <laughs> and which is which is fascinating because I can see some of the places it's at in my interface. And I'm like, who is the librarian in China who approved this book? Um, because like I, it's, it doesn't, it, it isn't a, a book which shades positionality, but I just like school of airs never made it to any library that I'm aware of in China. It just seems like a strange book to, um, have in a video of, of <laughs> or not to to have in a in a library in China, but um, so philosophy of information is selling well, and but people contact me, um, and they'll email me, and then and the book is is moving to them, right? Parts of it resonate, um, and it, it's kind of all over the place, whether it's essential, non-essential, or the part of propaganda, or chaos versus what, or crisis, and a force majeure versus a black swan. And people will email and they'll say, and they'll, they'll want to like email back and forth or, or at some point I'll be like, do you just, <laughs> I can talk to you. Like we can do that because I'm not going to keep this big email dialogue going. Um, but it is so amazing to talk to people and they'll, and they're always thankful. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for talking about the, you know, the book and here's how, you know, and then it's interesting to read, you know, what else are you reading? Well, I'm reading like Plato's Republic. I mean, I'm like, holy smokes. Like, so, and, and we will talk about the book and, and then I'll usually say, you know, if you like this, I don't know whatever other books you're reading, but like, um, John Ronson, um, Malcolm Gladwell, Daniel Kahneman, like those are kind of similar to this book and kind of the way that I write. So, and usually like people don't know all of those. So I kind of will point them in, in the direction of some of those. Um, but it has been, it's, it's been really cool because, and I was just sharing with one of my friends tonight that, um, school of air is like definitely had an impact on people and, uh, and people would, it would send me things. So like if, um, you know, access school violence and stuff like that, they would cut articles out of the newspaper and like send them to me. Um, in their areas is just, uh, you know, people, I think just, just want to be validated, right? Like it'd be on TV in their area. They'd be like, Oh, like this guy gets it. Um, philosophy of information is really hitting deep with some people. And, and I think it's really good. Like, um, and there's again, so it's such a big thing when they, if I give somebody a call, right. Or, or, you know, um, it, it, and, and they'll say like, this is phenomenal. Like, you know, this is the way that the book is, is, 
making me think about things or whatever. And, uh, and so it's been really cool. Like that, that response is different than it was in school of airs. Like there were people that would kind of seek out some value, but I think this is kind of an enlightening and, and, uh, and it's also not people who want to try to counter or put me in a different, like, well, look at this, look at this. It's just like, they appreciate what's been written. Um, and then they want to say like, thank you, you know, for that. And, and it is, it's kind of a strange thing because I remember when I was doing my doctoral research, there was, um, um, there was, what was it? Um, oh, my, uh, my dissertation chair, right? I was, I was writing about like people's studies and stuff. And he said, well, just like call this person. They're up at the university of Michigan or whatever, like, you know, and ask them what they meant or their take on it. And then I start to do that. So this was, this, so this is a big thing. Um, I think when, you know, people read parts of the book or, you know, read the book, but then there's parts of it they, they want to kind of get the author take on. And I want to, you know, kind of keep that accessibility, so anyways, it's been really neat. Like I've had some really great conversations. Um, one of the, the um, one person I was talking to is an engineer in um, ceramic coatings and ceramic engineering um, and was talking about, it was something with essential, non-essential and, and uh, but we were, we were really, it was it was fascinating um, how that person had perceived in their industry the the changes right and and if you are deemed essential versus non essential and then even like going forward and and how that is even shaping the industry right and kind of sharing some things out with me and and I was like whoa like that's really fascinating stuff so um, in the future androgynous. Uh, Blobs will fight for Crayola non-toxic crayons for food. Could be, man. Gee, my coworker invented it. Captain Obvious. And <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Wow. I worked with um, a lady who sang on the uh, Oscar Mayer uh, Wiener um, jingle, the original one. So yeah, that was a, they did a newspaper article about her and everything like when she was a kid. So I worked with her. She was probably like 50, but, um, so this is where I, I, I wish, uh, the Taco Bell would come directly to my house. It's Ting Ting. Hey, Ting Ting. Welcome. I'm just wrapping this one up by the way, but, uh, welcome. Um, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Someday we'll be able to monetize the show. So I am enjoying this podcast though. Like I enjoy putting these together. This will be out in a blog post. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I'll do a few more that'll be from the book and then I'm going to switch over to, uh, oh yeah. So this was interesting. So one person was talking to me about the book and they said to me, um, you know, you, you seem to have like a lot of influence from Marshall McLuhan <laughs> and this is, so Marshall, this book is from like the sixties and uh, Marshall McLuhan was this futurist who said, what well, kind of was predicting internet things, but is was saying stuff like, Hey, you know, um, clothing is just an extension 
of or like a glove is an extension of like the hand and like basically like how big aesthetics are in marketing stuff like that so um and i and i said i actually have the book to the left of me i have it and yeah and i didn't write about that explicitly in philosophy of information but he said oh the tones are really there like you can really sense like it's kind of marshall McLuhan stuff i'm like well that's that's cool that you could see that because like um yeah so wow looks like ting ting is busy over there on on twitter family dining american greek it wasn't great but the prices were great kids meals fourth one fourth inch burger wow that's good let's do an update here on the weather radar before we uh um Ooh, all right. Let me show you guys what's happening. All right, here's a weather radar. So I live in this general area. So this is bad. There's, I don't know, it kind of depends where this will break if this is going, but these are severe storms that have produced tornadoes up in this general area. Um, so this is all humid air, which is, which is, so these will continue to be severe throughout the night as the humidity increases and the temperature is increasing. Um, so yeah, I, I live close to Madison here. So these will rip through here. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I th these are moving slow, um, which is, will allow them to intensify also. Um, but yeah, so these are, there's been warnings coming out of these. I don't, I don't think it's gonna be anything like real, real bad. Um, but yeah, I can kind of see what's, what's coming our way. A lot of the pink, the more severe. So again, it's like 80 degrees and humid outside right now. And like yesterday, 60 a day before that 40 so suddenly we have this big humid and then it's going to be it was like 85 today be like 90 tomorrow so this is all feeling this and tomorrow could be storms like kind of just throughout the day but so the, the thing with storms that just sucks now is like ever since we had a tree fall on our house <laughs> june 2nd 2020 i can i do not trust trees and I had all these oaks and stuff cut back, like really trimmed f farther back from our house. But still, like I just once you go through that experience, like that changes your perception. So it's knowing you're. Oh my god, I'd be sad if we had snow. That half pound burgers, even double half pound burger. Oh god. Oh man, I would love that. It snowed here in February twenty. 21 so yeah i mean two weeks ago we had snow so this is we we went from 40 degrees all of last week literally 40 degrees um to now 80 today 85 90 in the next few days then kind of back next week it'll get back into the upper 60s but we do have this like five day stretch now this like super heated humid weather so 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens tonight. I charge my um, anchor and Jackery type stuff in case we would lose power. I don't think we will, but I need to come up with a little better system down here too for like a, a backup, um, like a generator or something like that. I've been thinking about that for a while. So, um, yeah. But uh, wait on Darren McCarty once, super chill guy. Hold on, well, yeah. I never switched my summer tires until the end of May. I only do all season, but, you know. So I don't put a lot of miles on. Washed both vehicles. The, the SUV is all-wheel drive, and I do want to change out to, like, a higher traction tire and, and sacrifice some mileage on that, but uh, but I don't know. So Spam buff hunter. In the last 20 years, there's always been at least two days of snow and ice. So since, uh, since old Humble wasn't here, let me go back to this uh, 40-second clip here of this big news from this week, and here it is. Dr. Pearson is helpful, organized, and empathetic with content knowledge that is off the charts. Students in this course also share that they consult with David as they navigate especially difficult situations in their own district. Thank you for sharing your talents with our students, David, and congratulations. Hey, that guy got professor of the year after 18 years, so appreciate it. Appreciate being nominated by faculty and students, and uh, it's a big it's a big accolade. Um, I believe um, I instructed a touchstone university. I would say the touchstone university. And uh, it, it really does have a gravitas to, to go over there, right? And, and to walk on campus of 1880s buildings, which have been meticulously maintained in the campus. And um, I, it, there, there is a, a real sense of... Um, of something that's that's special um so i greatly appreciate that so big honor that's going to be on the wall and back of me the the plaque here at some point so I, look i that photo was taken um last it was taken in in uh august so yeah <laughs> so less than a year ago um yeah that was taken in August of 2021. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I've aged a lot since then, haven't I? In less than a year. Yeah, that was August of 2021. It was taken. So my brother has a Camaro with the 1LE store, summer tires. Yep. I'm getting tired of washing my car. I get a $19 month subscription auto wash. It's really popular in Nashville because cars get so dirty. Yeah. I wash it. They both by hand. I kind of like it when it's warm out, right? It's nice to be out in the sun, but take that photo was taken in, um, yeah, August of last year. <laughs> so it's not even been a year. Holy smokes! What are you guys saying here? Are you saying the doc is is really hit the uh, 
has really aged, I guess. It's not a good, it's not a good sign um, for you to say that. Be, oh my God, when was that? So yeah, uh, let's do, um, it was April 25th of 2021. So April, April 25th, 2021, that photo was taken. So, <laughs> so I'm like, oh my, so you're like, oh my God, what happened? What happened to you in the last less than one year? So I need to, I, the thing is, um, I, I continue to have the significant computer issues. One of my memory cards is bad. So I get these breakpoint errors and like, um, I, the system needs to be rebuilt. It needs to be upgraded to Windows 10. So I have a few things left on deck that I have to do, like consulting-wise and, and stuff like that. And then I, the system has to go in. So we have a place in town. You know, the guy's already we've talked about it, but then he's going to do, like, the full analysis of it and then, like, do the full rebuild. Um, so I've been living on borrowed time with this with this system. Um, honestly, like every day, like I'm not even sure it's going to, to kind of get there, but I still have a, and I still have a little bit of stuff I have to wrap up with the university. Um, so, but yes, no, I definitely want to be on old Umble distilling company as a guest, but I will be on with an upgraded machine with running windows 10 and stable and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah. So yeah, the photo. Yep. So. Sky, Sky, that's me less than a year ago. So what crazy year. Well, it's really got it. Uh, trying to catch Travis now. Nice. Uh, yeah, that photo turned out well. Um, didn't charge me for it either. So it's our local photographer. So <laughs> he's, he's, I know him. He's a good guy. Uh, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Yuri Warren. I don't know. I I saw a photo. So when I got done with my audio book, um, my the the sound engineer, I said, "Can you grab a photo of me in the in the sound booth?" Just as kind of a historic, you know, little record here of me. Um, what in the world here? This is weird. Um. And he said, sure, like, I'll, I'll do that. And, uh, so here, here that is. And like, I'm like, holy smokes, man, I look old. Like my hair in, as you see, but my hair looks like all gray and washed out. And like, I just, I, I mean, it's kind of a weird angle to take a photo and stuff, but I'm like, oh my God. Um, but my, my, um, but as you see me now, like my hair is more dark and it was just kind of a weird photo, but I looked at them like, oh my God, but yeah, doc, you should use a stock photo of you from like, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I, th I think that photo is, I think the one taken in August is very good. So like, I think this is a very good photo. Like that'll probably be the photo I will just continually use forever going forward. I think it's a, 
I, I just, I like that photo. Um, so, yeah. Uh, hey, it's fast. Take care, buddy. I'm going to have to reorganize that office to make the pile of excuses uh, fit. So, yeah, I don't know. I've There's some updates that need to be done. This office was significantly updated last summer when the new flooring came in. And um, so, but I need to, this, again, the uh, custom build PC needs to be rebuilt. So, um, all right. See you later. I got to, I got to wind this thing down here. So don't worry about it. Uh, your hands. Well, thank you. You're a uh, silver. Whoa. Ting, ting. Wow. Appreciate that. Are you saying like, <laughs> do you know anyone who's actually said that to you? Or are you just making kind of a general statement right here? So, um, wow. So, wow. That's a nice compliment. So, all right. A silver fox. So, yeah. And so, I mean, I don't dye my hair or anything. So, like that generally was me in August. And, uh Anyway, so, wow. All right, well, thank you, Ting Ting. So, you've made my night. Um, that's even more hardcore, at least my car was front-wheel drive, so, yes. I have my front-wheel drive, which only I drive, my Buick LaCrosse from the day I got it. No one else has ever driven that car outside of a mechanic. <laughs> and then we have our SUV, which my wife and daughter drive, which I barely have driven that car. I rarely drive that one. Um, so that's the one that is with all of the all-wheel drive and all the bells and whistles and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. And it's been very good, very reliable. I had the, uh, I told you guys, the, um, the wiper, module didn't work on my car. It was under warranty, so they replaced it. It was really weird. Like, <laughs> you turn the wiper on, the, you know, stem there, and nothing would happen. So I had to, I had to just go crazy with the rain on the windshield. But uh, I'm still not 100% confident with it. Um, but outside of that, like, everything's been fine. Yeah, Wisconsin, I know. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm with you. So, so we we need more of this uh, more update here from Ting Ting. Like we're not getting enough. Like more elaboration on this. Open uh, diff all season radials. So, yeah, I'm kind of a Michelin tire guy. I think I, I really studied that pretty well to get um, like the 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 amount of uh, grit, like the sand or whatever that was in the the compound to get traction. So um, anyway, I'm a big Michelin type of guy. So, but yeah, Jim McIntosh, hey, don't be too modest. All right. Well, Ting Ting is uh, sends a nice compliment here, but then vanished. So.
All right. Um, let's uh, check how many. I think we were up to 10 reviews on uh, first for philosophy of information, which was good. And we're at 50, although I had somebody email, yeah, we're at 10 and we're at 50 for school of errors. So one of, somebody in the safety profession emailed me this morning and said they're going to post a review next week. So um, 51 and then philosophy of information will start to uh, to get up. So um, uh, I just, I can't wait until the audio book comes out for that. It's so well done. Um, yeah, I mean, as a professional actor, who narrate the audiobook. It's just so good. Um, yeah, no kidding. I remember all of that stuff. So, well, everybody, I'm going to uh, take us out the same way I took us in, kind of, but I'm going to have some uh, different... Hey, it's Sing Ting, right here. Dog in China being... <laughs> so, all right. So, Sing Ting, I get... So, thank you. So, um, could piss man can think of. So, is anybody that you know have they actually said that about the doc, or is doc just kind of in that constellation? Am I in, the, in, am I in that profile, or like, no, I actually know people. There's like a Reddit that's happening right now in China, and, and they're talking about you in the show, doc. So, um, yeah. Oh, I drove a chick to treatment during an early blizzard about seven years. Buick Regal. Yeah. I took my driver's test on a day when there was a blizzard. I was the last person allowed to take a test that day, and I did a 360 on a ramp, and the guy just passed me. He's like, you handle it really well. Let's get, back, get, let's get the hell out of here and get back to the DOV or DOT. So it's crazy. Um, yeah, that's nuts. So, all right. I am, uh, that sucks. 10 inches of snow on the ground. I'd really be sad. Like, I mean, it's not great to live in a cold weather state, but to live in a other one. Yeah. So. Uh. That's funny. So, all right, let me uh, take us out here and uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, thank you, everybody. This has been the Safety Doc, and this blog uh, post will be up tomorrow. So, yeah, I'll take you out here with a few commercials if you want to check through some of these. Here we go. As chaos erupts, Torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident and what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David Perodin clarifies human behavior during days, weeks, months, or even years of chaos. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. The Velocity of Information will teach you how people have done it in history, in the modern day, and even in prison. There are teachable moments on every page.
Buy the Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. A must-read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims, A brave demonstration of speaking truth to power, School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident? And what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perodin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information will empower its readers. Drawing on current events, history, interviews, and scholarship, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast-spinning world. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. There are teachable moments on every page. By the Velocity of Information, Human Thinking. Hi, everybody. This is the Safety Doc with a face validity check-in here on March 31st, 2020. Bellevue, Washington has started a tool to report stay-home violations. This is from the government website in Bellevue, Washington. So we're going to scroll down here to my Bellevue portal and then to report gatherings. They've made it convenient. If there's a map on the right, you can drag a location over here into address, write a description, and then also include photos. This is a practice we've seen in some areas of the country, but it's gonna be more prevalent. Look for it in your area probably in the next week or two. Describe the odor. Is it like when something electrical is burning? And so on. Ridiculous, right? We don't shift the investigation to the reporter, but that's covertly what the school district thought needed to happen to prevent their investigation scrambling principles from burning out. And as this paragraph smolders, it would be prudent to consider bringing students with disabilities from the sidelines of safety and center them to active roles of detecting and reporting threats. So we had a rather difficult meeting. Upon due diligence of examining the reporting system, I informed the district representative that I could not justify modifications to the existing model as such changes would make the system less accessible to students. Well, that was a short chit chat. The district folks believed or hoped that the threat input system could be modified and maintained with fidelity. I wasn't in alignment with that hypothesis, and so I was thanked and given notice that our partnership would be over at month's end. Business is business, but in school safety, it's never as simple as that. <laughs>